Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 41 on Sifted Game, streaming live right now on Twitch or archived on the site if you can't make the live stream. Matt, it's been, I have to say, I think it's been the slowest week in video game news since Mm -hmm. Sifted launched. One big thing, but nothing else. Which is insane because this is typically the time of year where... It's just news rolling. Yeah, but nobody wa- nobody wants to get in the way of the VR hype bus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a great show. We put together some great topics for the show and everything. But yeah, we had to work for it this week. Yeah. Usually, it just falls on our laps, and we just have this. We're usually we're cutting topics. Yeah, usually the process of elimination, and this time we're like, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> so GDC is going on right now. Uh, GDC, not a lot of news coming out other than PlayStation yeah. VR, which we'll definitely get to in the show. But PlayStation otherwise... VR and like uh, uh, the cross-platform play. Yeah. So, which like, what, what is there? What is there to say about that? Except there like, really isn't a story there because hope, Mike... hope it happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you know, yeah. Because Microsoft opened it up, but like. Yeah, Microsoft. Sony has to like play ball, so. Yeah, Microsoft's making it available, and yeah. Sony kind of capitulated a little bit and said, "Oh, we, we'll, we'll certainly look into it." But yeah. I would be really surprised if Sony cares enough. When you're the leader, you don't care about that crap. No, <laughs> like, I mean it's like either gonna be like if, you know developers, if you want to incorporate it, go ahead. Yeah, but like but, we're not gonna lose sleep over. Yeah, we're not gonna put any other. resources towards no. anything like that. As cool as it would be to get those two communities together playing games. Obviously, the more the merrier. I think it pays off, uh, particularly with games that don't have huge audiences, mm-hmm. uh, especially with some of these games that have like online modes where yeah. people fade It'll over time. It'll help to keep populating the online stuff. For a longer period of yeah. time, yeah. So when you get down to where there's only 5,000 people on Xbox and 5,000 on PlayStation 4, you have 10,000 yeah. people to play with. Although so. I do hope that they give an option to like activate cross-play per platform. Because like I can see, you know, if you want to play like Call of Duty with like between Xbox One and PS4 owners, that's cool. But if you decide to include PC owners, uh, I think the PC people are gonna fucking murder you. Yeah, so, I don't think it would be fair to play a shooter against no, someone who's good with a mouse and keyboard. Not at all. You just get decimated pretty much. And then you know, with PC too, it's like you know you can hack it. Like a lot of people talk about uh, Call of Duty hacks, but those only happen on PC. Like people aren't really mm-hmm. hacking. Like they'll find exploits in the. Uh, console versions that will be quickly patched. Mm. But people actually hack, like, the, yeah. the PC version oh, of Call happen- of Duty. It's happening with Division already. Yeah, just wall hacks and all that type of stuff. So, so yeah, you may have noticed, actually, that we have uh, rejiggered our studio a little bit. We've, uh, we're trying to make the studio more versatile so we can do a lot more things in here other than just game face. Basically, what was happening is we'd come into live stream in here, and we'd have to completely, like, reconfigure the studio and haul a bunch of stuff from one side to the other. Uh, so we've kind of set it up now, so we have kind of a permanent, right behind me, we have a permanent streaming section uh, for for the, the studio. Um, also, I think it gives a little more depth for this show. It makes the set look a little bit better for uh, Game Face as well. So just want to make it easier, plug and play when we come in and stream. Um, it'll make it help us stream a lot more frequently, knowing that we don't have to come in here and burn like an hour and a half just getting set up for the stream. So... Yeah, looks a little different. Mm-hmm. We're not as yeah, and, clo- the, and the monitor is up there now, so yeah, like, yeah. if you see us looking up, that's what that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So the monitor, it used to be kind of over to the side. Now it's just directly above the cameras. So it should keep our line of sight on that two shot a little better. Yeah, now we'll be looking this way. Right, when right. It comes, when it comes back from the trailer, <laughs> we'll be looking we'll up. We'll be looking yeah. up, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, let us know what you guys think of the set. I think it actually looks a lot better this way for Game Face. Our streams are going to look a lot better as well. And like I said, we'll do them a lot more often now that we've kind of cut down that 
three hours total of setting up and tearing down to do our streams. So uh, one more thing we want to talk about. There's only one other little tidbit of news we want to talk about before we get to the big six, and that is a brand new developer is working on a game, and Matt and I were trying to figure out if this has ever worked out well. So Dead Island 2 has picked up Sumo Digital as its new developer after Jaeger was basically taken off the game. Mm-hmm. And Matt and I, before the show, we were trying to put our heads together to think if we could, one, if we could even think of a game that had ever switched developers, and two, if one ever came out, and three, if the game that came out was ever good. Uh, not common. I mean, the only thing I can think of was StarCraft Ghost, which... Uh, never came out. Never came out. Switched from uh, nihilist to nihilistic to um, I think Blizzard took it internally. Yeah. And they just decided they couldn't salvage it. And the only other out- example I could think of was actually happened like in the last week, where uh, the developer's name I can't remember who did uh, the Sherlock Holmes games that you see bundled in every Steam sale. Uh, they announced a Call of Cthulhu game that has just been announced. That that development of that has been transferred to a developer called Cyanide. Uh, so we'll see if that ever comes out, and if it does come out, if it's any good. But it is usually not a good sign. I would be one. One, I would be surprised if this game ever comes out. Yeah. I mean, think about picking up the. It's a little easier now because the pipeline that you used to develop is kind of unified, and everyone's kind of working on sort of that same middleware. And you, can, a lot of times, the assets will come over from other middleware to the middleware you're working on. So it's a lot easier to do now than it was five, ten years ago. But they're still, I mean, I'm guessing they're completely reworking the game, probably coming up with new concepts for it. Um, I would be really surprised, one, if the game comes out, and two, if when it does come out, if it ends up being good. So Sumo Digital has done, like, the Sonic All-Stars racing game, mm-hmm. which was great. Yeah, they're good. But that's a kart racing game. Right. I'm interested to see what, I mean, because I think uh, the other issue with something like Dead Island 2 is, like, uh, Dying Light has kind of raised the bar of yeah. the... First-person open-world zombie game, yeah. and like, like well above what Dead Island was. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, because those, those guys are the original Dead Island developers. I mean, Dead Island so. was kind of one of those guilty pleasure games. Yeah. Like, you knew how you were playing it; it was filled with jank, and there was all kinds of broken stuff in it. But it, because it was like the only game in town like that, it was the only open-world zombie game at the time. Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of people kind of suffered. It sold well, mm-hmm. and I think you know a lot of it too is that initial trailer. I don't know if you remember the first trailer for the first Dead Island. Oh, yeah, like it was the, amazing the, with the oh, family in the hotel yeah. room or whatever. The game ended up being nothing like that. By no, the way. there was no like actual emotion in the game whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which this trailer that we just showed actually. That's a good trailer. It's a good too. trailer, and yeah, so I don't know if it's going to be a repeat. Yeah, but of... I mean, that original trailer, like, we had people on the X-Play staff who wouldn't watch it because they had daughters. Right. You know, and the, and the, yeah. kid, the kid turns into a zombie in the, in the yeah. trailer. So it's like a big difference in terms of sort of how you initially pushed that game and what it ended up being. I liked, I liked that Island 1, but I never felt the need to play Riptide or any of the subsequent games. I, I did not play it for review. I only played it because I wanted to because I'm a big horror movie fan and I love zombie games typically. And I think I played it for about four hours before I was done with it. Uh, I 100%ed it. Did you? But I, but again, I had three other people I was playing with. Right, right. It was right. like a co-op thing, so it was like yeah, it was fun. It was fun, you know. Playing with other people is like always going to make even a mediocre game more fun. Yep, for sure. So yeah, I never really got into it. It'll be interesting to see um, what they do with this one. What Sumo Digital does with it. Um, I mean, we haven't really seen any of the game. Always seen is this CG trailer that really tells you nothing. Um, other than it looks like it may be set in Los Angeles. This is Venice, 
this mm-hmm. uh, this trailer is, is set in Venice. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess it's good to see that the game hasn't been completely canned. Um, it has a chance. Yeah. Deep Silver needs this game to do well. It's not a publisher that puts out a ton of games every year, and when it loses a game in a quarter, that's a huge blow financially for a publisher of that size. Um, it's uh, to me, it's still strange that Deep Silver publishes or tries to publish AAA games. You know, it's, yeah, there's sort of a there's a there's a whiff of Majesco about that company yeah, at this point. Yeah, so I'm worried. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, just wanted to mention that to you guys before we got into the big six that it is still alive. It's not. It has been resurrected. It's it now. The game itself, Matt, is a zombie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it rose from the dead. So can, can it shamble to retail? Yeah, and it'll be interesting. Maybe we'll see it at E3. Maybe I don't know. I kind of doubt it. I, I, I don't know. I I would be weird to announce that shift now if you weren't planning on showing something. Yeah. In a couple months. Yeah. Because if it doesn't make an appearance at E3, I think you're going to lose a lot of confidence in it. Yeah, but at the same time, people may have completely lost all confidence when it was. True. Semi canceled. So. Or when it, I mean, what? That was. This E3, it'll be two years since yeah. it was announced, and the only thing we've ever seen from it is that uh, trailer. Yeah, not even any leaked gameplay of it. No. Nothing at all. So. so we'll see, people. But right now, we have more pressing matters. It's time to get to the big six. All right, we're going to kick it off with undoubtedly the biggest story of the week. No comparison. Yep. We waited all this time. It was rumored that this was going to happen at GDC. It did happen. We now know the price of PlayStation VR, $399 US dollars hmm. coming October. They haven't nailed down an exact date for it yet, but it is coming during that mm. month, so they say. Hopefully it won't be delayed again. Trick or treat. So let's just start with the basics, Matt. Let's talk about price. Uh, lower than I guess a lot of people expected. It's about where I thought it would be, but it's also kind of a fake out. Well, I, po- I posted on Twitter that Sony said all along, like literally all along, that it was going to cost the same as a new video game mm-hmm. console. So it's so funny how all this debate was going around about uh, what would the price be, how how high, how low. Would, I mean, we actually we knew all along that it was going to be four hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that, Matt? That's a lot of money. It is still a lot of money. It's more than a console now because the PlayStation 4 is 350 with a game bundled. Right. And on top of that, you need the PlayStation 4 camera yeah. to use it, which is 60 bucks. And I am glad I did get one. Like, I got one, like, I bought the console myself, and then for Christmas I ended up asking for a PlayStation camera. I hooked it up mm-hmm. once. As soon as I took the console out to bring it to the studio, I've never hooked the camera back up again. Right. So, well, I'll tell you that, I mean, I hope they are... On top of this, but hey, if any of you out there are planning on getting PlayStation VR, like for sure, like you are getting PlayStation VR, buy the camera now. Yeah. Like, like. Well, they said it the Open a new it. tab while you're listening to me and buy it on Amazon <laughs> because I think those things are gonna go. No, they already are. The sales went up today a thousand percent. Really? Well, you figure a thousand yeah. times one is a thousand. Right. Right. <laughs> Initial rush of people that are gonna. Be, but I'm saying like you know, or get a used one for like you know, those th- things are gonna disappear, and I don't know if Sony's gonna have the the foresight to produce enough. Yeah. Um, also, you should also mention, like, literally, the launch shipments are pretty much already sold out on Amazon, both in mm. the UK and the US. So, again, like, you might want to open a new tab and go yeah. to Amazon and try to scoop one up right now because 
chances are you're not going to get one if you wait another day or two. So, Which makes me wonder what their initial allocation is. It probably isn't um, a ton. But yeah. look, it's, they showed the final unit at GDC, so it's manufacturing. they're manufacturing them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a long time to be able to manufacture something right. for its launch. Well, I mean, it's certainly, I think, if you don't get the initial shipment in October, I, 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 there will be at least three more before Christmas. I mean, I think, I think it'll be, it, you know, it, there's a potential for it to be the hot Christmas item that no one can get their hands on, that all of a, all of a sudden it shows up, like, in the last week of before Christmas, which has happened, it happened with the N64, it happened with Super Nintendo, yeah. it happened with the Wii, to some degree. Well, this could also be one of those intentional supply constraint deals that Nintendo's yeah. been famous for in the past, where... You know, they, they say, okay, we'll give you X amount of units to the retailers or whatever, and, you know, ultimately they know they're going to have more, but they want that initial rush to build the buzz because it worked. Mm-hmm. Like, right. you know, today every single website was reporting, sold out on Amazon, sold out on the European sites were sold out on Amazon in Europe. So it's working. I think the key is, um, I think the key is that uh, they said that they're not selling these at a loss. Yeah. Um, which, which originally, yeah, they said that they were going to sell them at a loss. Yeah. Uh, but cl- clearly, something changed, or they managed. to... Well, you know what changed? They decided to sell for four hundred. Well, we got the price of the Oculus and the Vive, and suddenly um, Sony was like, "Well, we can ask a lot for this," and mm. people, and that's exactly what's happened. Like, you think they were going to ask substantially less originally? Yeah, before, the, before the pricing came out for Oculus and Vive, and they, it opened the window for them to be able to to sell it at a higher price and not have people freak out about mm. it. So, and look, I'm kind of torn on this, man, because I really, so you're trying to figure out, are these things worth it? Is Vive worth the 800? Is Oculus worth the 600? Is PlayStation VR worth the 400? Well, I will say that um, I haven't used the Vive, but I have used Oculus and uh, PlayStation VR, and I think... Uh, you're definitely getting what you pay for with these headsets because the PlayStation VR, while it is fine, is not on the level of the Oculus in yeah. terms of the display quality. And see, here's what I fear, is that a lot of people who are going, woohoo, look at that price, have never tried a head-mounted display, ever. Mm-hmm. Like, and how would they? If they don't go to yeah. a game show, they've had no chance to try it out. So but the upside of that is if they buy a PlayStation VR, they don't know what they're missing. Right. I mean, it's still going to be good to them. Yeah. You know, if you, don't, if you haven't tried... An Oculus, you don't know. It's like you know, and it's a, it's a, it's not a. I don't know if I don't know if it's a two hundred dollar difference between them, really. Yeah, but it's just, between it is Oculus no, and PlayStation, and PlayStation VR. VR. Uh, but it is noticeable if you're really looking for it. Yeah. Um, but it's also kind of the same as like that whole like oh this game runs at nine hundred p and this game runs at ten eighty p on the two different consoles. And it's like yeah, you'll notice if you put the if you have two TVs next to each other, but you're not really going to notice if you only play one of them. I mean, look, there are some things that PlayStation VR actually does better mm-hmm. than Oculus. Its refresh rate is better, which is yeah. really important for VR. Like I feel like Sony, for the amount of money it's willing to is willing to invest in the product and the price it's asking for, it was smart in a lot of ways in the areas that it focused on. Yeah, like the OLED screen. Also that's tr- a huge deal. Also true of the PlayStation 4's design in general. I mean, Sony's yeah. been on the ball. With, yeah. With how to maximize their hardware designs this generation. They, yeah. they are, they really turned it around from the PlayStation 3. Oh, without a doubt. It's like night and day. But uh, I feel like a lot of people who are sort of screaming from the rooftops, PlayStation VR, $400. I feel like they haven't tried any of the other ones to see mm-hmm. that, you know, that's still a lot of money. And, yeah. and I mean, look, 
You're right. It is debatable whether Oculus is worth an extra $200. But I would argue that it's not debatable to me if Vive is worth double PlayStation VR. Um, again, but that's a huge commitment. But, mm -hmm. you know, we were talking earlier about how the camera's not included. At well, the same time, if your camera's not included, you still need a PlayStation 4, plus tax, plus move controllers. You're still spending about 800 bucks on this thing, so, all told. I mean, yeah, just because you already have the PlayStation 4 doesn't well, mean you are spending more than that, that, actually. Yeah, I mean, so it's like... <laughs> Yeah, you know, and like, yeah, you need a you still need, and there's kind of the whole thing. Oh, you need a PC to use VR with a, with one of the other headsets. Yeah, but most people already have a PC. Right. You know, it's, it's well, like, well, will it run? I mean, most people are going to need a video you, card. If you at play least. games on your PC, you can probably use an Oculus. I yeah. would say. Yeah. Uh, Vive is obviously higher end and harder to you know. You you need one of the higher end cards for that, but. Um, it's you know it's it's really and the other thing is like there's the the big X factor the elephant in the room is like is this thing gonna work is it gonna be supported by developers and, you know, and by is. this thing I mean VR oh in general and um, you know on one hand the Vive might give you the the optimal experience for more money but is you the know, content gonna be is there? the content gonna be there and like it really you know you said before like you know the, the lower price of the PlayStation VR might mean Sony's the one in the best position to really get this thing into the hands of average consumers and I think that's might be exactly what's happening oh it's it, you can see on the graphics right there the war is won mm -hmm. it's it's over already I mean and and I'm you know normally I would be okay with that but my big problem with PlayStation VR being the leader which it's gonna be and it's going to dominate the other two head mounted displays is that it's the weakest of all of them. And I've always... You mean like the PlayStation 1? And the, the PlayStation, PlayStation 2. 2. Yeah. yeah. And, any and the Wii. Like, yeah. any time that ever happens, I hate it. Because all it does is it just holds everything down because you're working on the lowest common denominator hardware. And, and thus today, we are all PC gamers. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the big complaint, right? That, like, consoles yeah. hold back PC right. because, you know, you can't do stuff that, like, the consoles can't do in some form and now you've sort of compounded that with the VR idea. And you can see it. I mean, yeah. look at the games for PlayStation VR. They literally look like last gen games. Yeah. Basically. Although there is something, you know, like if, you know, this uh, they said they're doing Battlefront uh, VR, like a, a you know, way to display it in VR. It won't be a VR game. But you know but they're going to have to chop down those visuals to make Not if it's just a display thing. Like cuz that's the thing. It's like you know, if you're going to make a game that has to be interacted with in that regard, I think it was going to take more power than if you're just, you know, you're just throwing it up as a display. You're basically making it 3D at yeah. that point, you know? I don't think you're going to be looking around with your head. You don't know, though. Front. And um, if they would were to do that, again, the visuals would have to be significantly cut back. It depends how that, how that game's built. I mean, I, don't, I didn't think the game would look that good on a console to begin with. So, yeah. you know, who knows what kind of tech they've got under the hood. The question for me is, like, they talked about that, and I'm like, well, I thought EA wasn't going to do VR. Yeah, they said they weren't. But uh, they're seeing the momentum because yeah. they announced today there are 230 developers working on PlayStation VR. That's Good. huge. And if you look at them, it's like all the big boys. They like showed that, Square Enix uh, and, and ILM showed that lightsaber demo, which is like, that's how you get my attention. Except it sure. looks like that Connect Star Wars game. It a does. Bit. <laughs> but like one hopes that, like, you know, the Connect Star Wars game wouldn't have irritated me as much as if, if the movement had been functional and one to one. Yeah. And if you, if you make the VR thing so that, like, it works one to one with the, with the you know, holding a little move controller or something like that. Like, I'm going to have a lot more fun with that than I ever had with the Kinect. Because the Kinect had a lot of good ideas that didn't work in execution. Yeah. But, like, VR, hopefully, is going to be easier to do in terms of, like, making your control over things in the world more direct. 
if, if, for lack of a better word. Do you want to know what my favorite announcement was from the last 24 hours about PlayStation VR? What? That you can use it for everything. So you can mm-hmm. watch movies in it, um, you can play 2D games on it, and it's basically like you have a 5-meter screen in mm-hmm. front of your face while you're playing like old your 2D games or you're watching movies I can, or whatever. I can see the uh, I can see the Vita crowd really jumping on this because there's a whole thing with like I think the Vita yeah, a lot of people I'm thinking love... they're taking all those old OLED screens they had lying yeah. around for the Vita and putting them in the PlayStation VR because like I, you know I know there's a big thing about like you know everybody wants to play it on a portable screen everybody wants to play it with remote play so I can't stand that stuff because the remote play has too much lag for me and I don't want to hold the Vita that long, yeah. you know? Like, you know, people are like, oh, I want to play, uh, you know, 60-hour RPG. I'm like, I can't hold that system that long. There's no yeah, way. I can't either. But if the real, you know, because a lot of the times I see people talk about this and they're like, oh, it's great because I can play stuff while my wife watches what she wants or that my roommates can use the TV. Well, now, like, you've got a better TV than your wife yeah. in your, in your, your head-mounted display. See, you that's know? the so, thing. It's like it can take the place of a flat panel TV. Mm-hmm. And that's like a thing. I, I mean, I, guess I don't you think you could sell that... TV on it unless you have View. Right. PlayStation View is the only way you could watch. But television. that's an interesting way to. That's an interesting Trojan horse, and I, I see some parallels to the DVD player and the PlayStation Two on that because yeah. it's harder to, as a harder sell, I think. But like, I think once you get this thing in the hands of people, and it looks like the lower price is going to allow them to do that. I think once people experience the idea of because it when you it sounds kind of like mundane when someone says doing that, but when you've actually seen it, yeah. when you see like oh here's your virtual TV like right in, in your headset, yeah. it looks really good. Oh, like, it's, it's an it's, OLED yeah. screen like two inches from your face, <laughs> and it's it's like playing it on like a bigger TV than you could fit in your apartment. Basically. Yeah, I mean OLED TVs like if you were to buy like a fifty inch OLED, yeah. you're gonna buy the equivalent. You're gonna be spending thousands, and unless yeah. you just spent. 400. 400 bucks, yeah. So, like, once people see that and, like, it kind of becomes like, hey, you can have, like, a really awesome 1080p TV for 400 bucks. So it's, it's kind yeah. of that, you know. Yeah. You can adjust to, you know, how Sony will, you know, there will be limitations. You can't watch cable TV on or anything. But it's like, I think, you know, and I think we've talked about, you know, in previous shows about how Sony's big advantage was also that they are a multimedia company and they can leverage the movies and the TV and all that stuff yeah. at them. And, the, and Oculus and Vive don't really have that. And uh, that could really prove to be uh, a surprisingly large factor in this war. It could also help view. Yeah. In all honesty. Yeah. I mean, think about it, especially in Japan, and Pactor talked about this on Pactor Factor. You know, the, in Japan, it's a, size is a big deal. Your apartment is so puny. Like, you basically have, like, the whole world sitting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need a TV. You don't need to take up. A, you can just sit down on a chair, and the whole world is just right there. So... Yeah, I honestly think that, you know, PlayStation VR is going to be, I don't know if it's going to be a massive hit, but I guarantee is going to by far be the most popular head-mounted display. At the very least, I think it will be, you know, when we look back on VR in 20 years, I think a lot of, most people will say the first time I experienced VR was PlayStation VR. Yeah. I think that will be your gateway drug into this new world. I mean, there's a possibility, too, that some people could get PlayStation VR, and be like, this is cool, but it's not yeah. quite what I thought. But that's enough to convince them to then upgrade mm-hmm. to Oculus or to Vive. Right. Well, it's like we said. Like, the key to VR is going to be getting this thing on people's faces. Yeah. You have to experience it to really get it. Yeah. And I didn't really necessarily believe that they were going to be able to do that. But I think with how they've priced this and how, like, 
you know, sometimes you the you know when you need extra equipment to to do something, you know, it costs this much, but then you need to spend this much to also get this other thing, like the PlayStation camera. Like yeah. some sometimes that can like torpedo you. Sometimes yeah. people think it's a hidden cost and they get pissed off. In this case, people seem to really be of the mindset: if I'm already spending four hundred bucks on this thing, what's another sixty? Well, see, here's the thing, which is interesting because that that kind of says to me that even if you have an experience of VR, a lot of these people understand. That they're they're jumping in on something that they that you know it's not just you know Sony does the Wii or like you know some weird little gimmick. This is giving this whole yeah. thing is giving me a Wii vibe though. A little bit. And some of the developers have said in the last couple of days like this is the new Wii and this is that's how we are looking at developing for it and this is how we're looking at mm-hmm. the market for it. Like, and that's bad for me because I don't care about games like that. Yeah. Um, but you know if you can sustain that's the thing is like the Wii never the Wii. Hit it big with like you know Wii Sports and Wii Play and Carnival games and things like that, but no one ever evolved past that. And but see, there's like there's like a collection of games that are coming just yeah. like Wii Play. Well, my like, hope is that the audience they're going to attract is going to be more open to expanding their experiences rather than this is this thing this is this white thing I bought that I play, that I play bowling on. You yeah, know? I I think I think close to half the Wii's that were ever sold never played anything Other except Wii, Wii Sports. Sports and Wii yeah. Play. You're right, You're absolutely right. So I th- I'm hoping that the people that are interested in VR are a more uh, experimental group, show a more um, a more novelty seeking group would be Braver, the marketing term. I guess is another way yeah. to put it because that's what it is. A lot of people just got saved, but a lot of people just looked at the Wii as like, does it? Do I even care if it plays other games? Like, yeah. all I want is Wii Sports. Like. It's. I mean, we'll see what happens with like who, wh- how you know the PlayStation VR is identified with which games, or if it, be, you know, because like that was the thing is like the Wii was Wii Sports. Yeah. Like, that was the thing that was demoed on it. That was what it came with. That was what everybody played the first night. That's what the news stations showed to demonstrate it. Yeah. So like you know, it depends what play, you know PlayStation VR could have a much more varied launch lineup and so maybe it won't be closely identified with any one thing maybe there's that yeah. collection of games maybe someone else is playing you know Gollum maybe someone else is playing Ace Combat maybe you know that's what I'm hoping is there's more of a, a variety of things uh, for a, a wider audience that it doesn't get pigeonholed into this sort of like kiddie console idea that the Wii did or some equivalent. Yeah, and then talking about not having the PlayStation camera or the move controllers packed in I mean the way I looked at it is like a lot of people have those already, and so, so I don't we, think many people have the PlayStation Four camera. I think a I lot don't of people. I think they sold pretty well at launch. I mean, I have it. I think not enough to matter. But think about it. Like I do have it already, and so if they charge four fifty with it packed in, and I'm like, but I already have one. Like mm-hmm. some people are going to get screwed. Whereas if you don't have it packed in. Nobody gets. Why? Well, as I heard, it, there's another, there's a more expensive package that includes it. There is. And the, there will the be a bundle that includes move controllers and. Now I have two have move controllers so do somewhere. I, I think. Here I we, hope I didn't leave the batteries in them because if I did, they're oh, probably man. ruined now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I I had that happen where uh, when I when I got the Wii and I the Wii U and I transferred my Wii data to it. I yeah. had to get a Wii controller, so I went and got my default Wii controller was the. The gold Skyward Sword controller with the with a Motion Plus built yeah. in, and it won't work. I open it up, and it's, it was just oh, crusted no. with with the battery battery leakage. And so I had to, I cleaned really? it all. I no, I cleaned it all out, and it works fine. It now. works. Oh yeah, I'm surprised to hear that. Uh, you know, you just you had to, I had to take it apart a little bit and soak some of the metal components in like a solution to get it off and stuff. But it all it, it works fine. There's a little bit of crust still, but yeah. on the inside. But like it's it's great. 
but yeah, take your take your damn batteries out of your controllers before you throw them in a drawer. Yeah, no, I have a feeling my move controllers may have a little corrosion going on. I don't remember if I left the I I should go look. As I soon, use as my as when I get home. I'm gonna look. I like I three use times. them. I use them. Uh, you know why I have move controllers? I bought them secondhand off of eBay uh, with gun, like light gun attachment, yeah. so I could play the House of the Dead games oh. that's on the PlayStation Three. Well, they had that, that was... crazy blaster for like kill zone that they yeah. made, where you could snap it in there. I used it for like tumble. I think that was like my mm. favorite move game. And now they've actually made like tumble VR uh, for PlayStation VR. So I'm sure I'll probably get into that. But uh, so before we move on to the next topic. Has this changed anything for you, Matt, this price and release date? I mean, you had said before you weren't really going to buy any of them. Are you still not going to buy any of them? Probably not. Yeah. Um, To some degree, I think it depends on what core, for lack of a better term, core games they announce. Like if if, uh, uh, Ace Combat is, you know, this year, maybe I'll think about it. Um, You know, it... You know, if if something Star Wars shows up, that'll be a temptation because I know you know Lucasfilm is and that ILM experimental group they've formed are kind of t- talking about taking old Star Wars games and making VR versions of them. Not VR versions, but ones you can play within VR. Right. Uh, you know, so even if it's not totally VR, I'll pl- I'll play Rogue Squadron in VR all day. You know, so uh, it kind of depends on the on the, on the games at this point. Yeah. I, I but I will say, um, I am no longer skeptical about. PlayStation VR's chances of success. Uh, I think I think they've got it right yeah. now. Uh, borrowing any weird surprises or the games looking absolutely horrid, uh, which they some of them do look. Some, bad. Of, some of them do, but like hopefully those are more like you know five dollars. The first gen like of that. games, and... but they but they need to they need to bring the AAA to some. You know they need to bring the wow factor. I haven't seen that yet. Not yet, not yeah. at all, and that's what I need to see. And I think uh, now that all all is announced and the dust is a little bit settled in terms of where everybody's pieces are starting from, I think Sony has the best chance to deliver that more regularly and longer uh, in the face of maybe a slow selling product. Because like they have a direct development community that's attached to this thing needing to be successful, whereas Oculus and Vive. They're not really connected, you know. Sony's kind of got the total package there in terms got the of whole ecosystem, they can, yeah, they have yeah. the whole thing right there in front of their face. Forty million installed, yeah. Base, whereas yeah. Oculus and Vive are very much we're selling this thing separate, and I hope people make it make stuff for it. And so while those two may be more advanced technologically, um, it seems to me that Sony is going to be the one of the three that has the ability to keep feeding their product with software. Yeah, here's what I would say. I, I would say the price. Didn't really change my mind in any way, shape, or form. I think we thought that because was the Because I assumed that be. was going to be the yeah. price. But what has changed my impression is the reaction to the price. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that people are overwhelmingly saying that this is a great price, like Sony nailed it. Like, I was really surprised to see that, to be honest. Like, I worked in retail too long to be surprised by that reaction, really. Um, I wasn't sure if it would be as widespread as it is, but uh, I guess... The, and, and you know... I don't think it's the Oculus' 600 so much as the Vive's 800. Yeah, know? yeah. Because the fact that 600... I mean, 600 is a lot of money. Yeah. So and it's 400. It, so it's 400, but 600 is a lot of money. And then the next one comes out and like, oh, by the way, we're 800. And people are like, oh, my God, VR is crazy. And then the third one to announce is half yeah. of the second one. And I think that you know any consumer... You know, you know, if someone pulled that trick on you in a, in a, in a retail store, yeah. it would work too. It would, you know? yeah. Like, that's basic, you know... 
purchase psychology. It's how we work. And I just wonder if families, though, and I mean, that's what you need for that mass market adoption. You need the moms and the dads to want to buy it for their kids and things like mm -hmm. that, which you're not supposed to because you're supposed to be 13 and older to use PlayStation VR because your eyes aren't fully developed yet. But, yeah, well. Right. They're going <laughs> to buy them anyway. But I feel like for though that group of people, they're going to look at it like, but I just spent $400 yeah. for this damn thing. Well, and the other thing about the family idea... And now you want to spend another $400 for Well, and also, you want to spend another $400 plus, so your kid can stick this thing on their head and never see you again. Well, like some a, parents might be okay with that. To some that. degree, but it's like, you know, whereas like a lot of times video games are seen as kind of a same, like kind of on the couch, you know, social experience in a lot of ways. The VR yeah. is by definition an isolating one. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be hard... I know a lot. Well, they didn't I'm, show that I'm, new playroom game that's yeah, designed but, all around that. But at the same time, I think it's going to be hard for some families to sort of justify the idea of spending that much money for something that only one person can use at one time. Because I know, because yeah. I know, in my family, when I was growing up, if this had happened, uh, all my parents would have seen would have been the next thing my sister and I were going to fight over. Right. So who's going to get the yeah, turn who gets with to it? use the, who yeah. gets to use the goggles? Right. So, That's a good point, actually. <laughs> That's we'll, a really you know, good point. We'll see. I mean, I think most. I think most of VR early adopters are going to be people like us, like people yeah. who buy oh, it for, for them, sure. buy it for yeah. themselves. And I'm just talking about for this thing to become a huge success. This is the, this is the type yeah. of people they need. Well, to see, that's, that's why I think the Wii comparisons are a little disingenuous because, like, the Wii by default. You bought that thing, you set it up, and all of a sudden, four people were playing together on the couch, and it was cheap. And it was cheap, um, but like. That's not the on this you buy it you set it up and one person gets to Goes do something <laughs> and everyone else is like what's it like you know yeah. it's, it, that's not a you know that's not well, a you draw can, on that you can you can see the the TV and that's actually what so that we also found out what that extra little box is mm -hmm. for it basically streams the feed yeah. to the television and it, it also handles the social network that's built yeah, around yeah it seems it seems to take a lot of uh, what would have been the burden of the display processing off the PlayStation Four right. Uh, which is good because it means that it can maybe run much better looking games than we originally thought it. Well, would. I don't think it's like the actual process. I don't think it's like the actual processing. It's not, but it, I think it does a similar thing where, like, um, the PlayStation Three had a thing where they upgraded it later to be able to do uh, 3D Blu-rays, yeah. which a lot of people thought was impossible. But it turned out to just be sort of this weird little thing, the little codec thing you run it through before you put it out through the video output. Yeah. And so maybe they figured out something like that for this. Maybe it wouldn't work for a, a, a real kind of like intricate VR game, but I bet it like that's how you do like cinema, like the cinema display thing. I look at it more like the Wii U, where you're not actually like rendering twice. You're mm -hmm. you're sending that signal to the gamepad, and in this mm -hmm. case, you're sending that signal from that box to your television screen. At least, look, the details are pretty murky on it so right. far. Uh, but what they have said that it is for the social network built around PlayStation VR and to get that other display sent to your TV so people can see what you're doing while you're using your PlayStation VR. I so, just, my, my instinct tells me it's it's similar to like you know the, the quote-unquote second brain in the back of the dinosaur. Yeah, that yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> helps, helps move the, uh, the legs a little bit right, so the yeah. brain doesn't have to worry about it. Right. So, I mean, smart. Yeah, I, everything about this is smart. And look, Sony's being pretty cutthroat by charging what they're charging, knowing that you know, now they're making a profit when they said originally they weren't going to. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Like, but that's I think you'd that's be a stupid good thing. if you didn't. Right. Well, also I think it's I think it's if you're worried about the future of VR, especially in, you know, will it become you know, because Sony does have a history of these 
these gadgets like not selling up to snuff how they expected and then they just sort of slowly quietly forget about them yeah like, like the, the move like the move <laughs> which is being revived or, or the camera or the eye toy or yeah. that book thing or you know all that stuff just sort of quietly fades away uh, but if they're selling this thing at a profit that means at least that everyone they sell is good for them inherently you know they don't have to sell more software to make up for it right so uh, you know hopefully that means that that this thing will be something that Sony is willing to stand behind and promote for a long time until it hits critical mass. I, look, but just to close it out, I have to say that I hate myself for this, but I think that I have kind of decided that I'm probably going to buy PlayStation VR in the last like 24 hours. Like, and not Oculus? Yeah, because it, look, it's going to be the industry leader, and it's going to mm. have the most games, and it's going to be the one that matters. It's going to be the one everyone's talking about. It's going to be the one that people have interest in, most importantly. Mm-hmm. Because if, look, if everybody on Sifted has PlayStation VR and they don't have Oculus or Vive, what good does it do for me to buy those other two and do coverage on them when no one has them? They don't care. Like, you can see that with platforms on Sifted already. Like, that, you know, the Wii U generally does a lot less traffic on Sifted because most of the people on Sifted have a PlayStation 4. And again, I can see it because I can look at the Sift ratings for everybody. Like, uh, in our admin, we have, like, a, a graph that shows the aggregate of everybody's SIFT ratings. So I can see how much everybody cares about everything. And like, so you have like PlayStation 4 all the way up here. Xbox One, like right here. Wii U, like right here. Mm -hmm. Um, VR, pretty low actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, just for the fact of, you know, serving our audience, uh, in in all honesty, probably even though the fidelity is a little lower, probably playing the best VR games. Because if that's what everybody buys, that's what the developers are going to make games for. Mm-hmm. And it may not look quite as good. It, it's almost going to be like the N64 versus the PlayStation all over again. You know, with the Vive and Oculus being the N64 and then PlayStation VR being the PlayStation. You know, it's I hated that era because all these great games were coming out on the PlayStation and they looked awful. And I was like, mm-hmm. this game, if it were on N64 or like Dreamcast or whatever, like it could look so much better. But... Developers aren't going to make games for a platform that nobody owns. And so, sadly, it looks like I'm probably going to invest in PlayStation VR. Um, Luckily, I do have the camera and the move controllers already, so it is just a straight-up $400 purchase for me. Um, But I'm really disappointed. Like, I really... That's not the one I want to own, I guess is the best way to put it. Maybe, you know, eventually I gather up some cash and I can afford one of the other ones. But for now, like... And I'm sure everyone's looking at it this way. The smart money is on PlayStation VR. That's all there is to it. Especially when I saw that list of developers, like 230 developers, and then mm-hmm. on the same day, um, Oculus announces its launch lineup, and it's like 30 games, which is good, but if you look at them, they're all like little demos. Like, there's mm-hmm. no real, other than like Insomniac's game, they're all just, in Lucky's Tale, they're all just like these little experiences. And tr- look, they're selling them for like 20 bucks a piece, most of them. So it's not, you know, they're smart with their pricing on it, but I see that, and then 10 minutes later, I see this list, like, this long of developers making games for PlayStation VR. And I was just like, it's over, man. Like, it's over. It's going to be the market leader, no matter how many... And I still can't believe all these companies investing at least billions of dollars in their own headsets. How stupid are they? Like, do they really think they have a chance? It's like, it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's over. There's, there's not going to be enough market for, to support three of them. And like, I mean, one, it's not like making a third-party controller where you can charge like nineteen bucks right. versus like the official's thirty-nine dollar kind of thing. You know, yeah, like, like there was one that was just announced yesterday that's like 
the whole computer is in the head-mounted display. So you don't need an extra computer, but they haven't announced the price. You know that's going to cost like a thousand dollar. Like, it's over. The war is won, people. I just think that that was it. Just again, it wasn't so much the price because it's what I expected all along. It's the reaction to the price. Mm-hmm. People, I think people just expected VR costs X amount of dollars. Okay, this costs less than X. Mm-hmm. Sold. Yeah, if I were Sony, I'd be sending some fruit baskets to uh, Oculus and uh, Vive right now. Yeah, I mean, look, I saw the journalist did it too. Like every, you know, because when we curate, we see yeah. all the content from all these websites coming in, and every one of them was like, Sony nails it with price. Sony gets the price right. Sony just won. Like just one story after another. Same tale, different headline. Even some of the headlines were almost identical. Mm-hmm. So, and they hit that because, like you say, like they, they hit. For, I don't. They hit the the profit point. You know, if they realize you could sell it for more. But that's smart because like four hundred dollars is enough to feel like it's way less than six hundred or eight hundred. Yeah. But it's not low enough that it feels like oh, this must be cheap crap compared to the other two. It also gives them a little wiggle room if after the. I mean, obviously, launch is going to go well if they've already sold out their launch allotment. But if things really cool down after that. They have some leeway to lower mm-hmm. the price, like right out of the gate. So, Sony, man, what a generation Sony is having. Yeah. What I mean, they are about to convince people to give them $800 plus for hardware in one generation, man. Think about that. And, and just one generation before, they couldn't convince people to give them 600 Yeah, or even less. Yeah. I mean, PlayStation 3 caught up towards the end there. It was doing pretty well because of all of its mm-hmm. first-party stuff, but... But early on, five hundred ninety-nine U.S. dollars was a you know a nail in the coffin. Yeah, and you're right. And they couldn't convince people to spend six hundred. No. Now they're willing to spend over eight hundred. So, we just don't make them all spend it, spend it all at once. That's the secret. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that is just draw it out. I mean, it hasn't been that long. No. <laughs> but apparently, two years after you pay four hundred dollars for the system is when to sell sell me a four hundred dollar add-on. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, you know, and and somewhere somewhere out in the ether. The people that worked at Sega in the early 90s are going like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is normally the point in the conversation where I go, it's going to be interesting to watch, but honestly, like, it's not going to be. No. Like, <laughs> we just have to wait until it happens. Yeah, I mean, basically, you're going to see Sony dominate, and you're going to see these other two trying to pick up the table scraps, trying to survive, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Vive, I think, is really going to have a tough... Vive's going to struggle, I think. I think Oculus Rift has, has an easier time because it's backed by Facebook, and Facebook's never going to let that thing down because right. Facebook, Facebook wants it to be the virtual Social Facebook. platform. Yeah, yeah, they want it to be like, you know... They want you to put your VR helmet on when you go to talk to your friends on Facebook. That's what they want. That's yeah. their end game. That's what they want to own. Yeah. And so, you know, they'll... Games are just periphery. Yeah, they'll back Rift until that happens, basically, I think. They have enough money to burn that they can absorb that. Uh, but Sony, Sony's going to provide games. Sony's about the games and the content. So, you know, as much as it is kind of disappointing that, you, you know, the winner might end up being the weaker... Uh, it's A, nothing new, and B, um, you know, content is king. I got to go where the games yeah, are. It is, yep. So if they're the ones serving That's exactly up, what I just said. Yeah, if they're, like, ser- if like, they're serving up the games, that's where I'll go. I haven't made a choice yet because I need to see what is coming out this year. One thing that will be interesting to watch, not related to Sony versus the others, is Sony's first-party output. Mm-hmm. How is that going to affect Sony's 2D games? Mm-hmm. Will there be, like... As many as, as many will, will, will they bring in more people to do stuff that is that's exclusive to them? Because that's what I would think. You can hire that many developers in, not hire them, but like you get them involved. You got to take a chunk of them and be like, okay, you guys are making this game for us, right? Like no one else gets this. You don't get to put this on PC. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which has been, you know, not a common proposition in recent years because there's just too much money in putting, you know, your your little console or indie style game on Steam. And when the Steam sale rolls around, your your sales go up by four thousand percent. And even though you're selling it for like two bucks a pop, and like you, you know, you, all you're trying to do is turn a profit. You though. turn in profit. <laughs> That's it. But if Sony can sign you to some deal where they're like, okay, we're gonna give you basically bribe you keep it exclusive, like, at least for a year or something, yeah. uh, that could be a big deal. Because yeah. that, that's, you know, that's the thing, is, like, you have to make it so, like, Oculus owners can't just sit back and wait for the PlayStation content to show up on PC looking better. Better, yeah. Uh, that would be my priority as Sony right now. Yep. So I'm sure we'll get a bunch of comment or questions from you guys at the end of the show about PlayStation VR, but I feel like we've rung this topic pretty dry. I feel like we talk about some version of VR every week on the show. And I never, the funny part is I never get tired of talking about it. I mean, I don't know if you guys get sick of hearing about it. It doesn't seem like it. You guys never complain in the comments or anything, but it's just such a new frontier. And after talking about 2D video games, for me personally, for the last like 18 years in this industry, it's refreshing to talk about this new paradigm. And so I could literally just, I could probably just do a whole game face just sitting here talking with Matt about PlayStation VR. But we realize some of you guys aren't interested. In October, we might. Yep, exactly. (laughs) I mean, look, some people don't even have a PlayStation 4. Some of you guys are Xbox uh, owners or or Nintendo fans and may not have either. So we're going to move on. But yeah, I'm sure there'll be lots more conversation about this in the coming months, leading especially in October. Mm -hmm. My my question is, um, you know, I think Oculus, uh, you know, it's... I worked in video retail for so long, uh, and I have cleaned enough video store porn rooms <laughs> in my time that my main... I don't know if I want to hear it. My main story. question is, <laughs> will the fact that Oculus is going to have a lot more porn on it matter? That's a good point. Well, here's the thing. You can watch... porn... Oh, you can watch it on, on PlayStation VR. But it's not right? actually VR. But it's not... You know, yeah, these programs. Because porn being... does always Look, decide the format wars. It does. Yeah. Porn has decided format wars in the past, and uh, it will again. There is a certain segment of the population that I think is very excited about uh, this new technology we call teledildonics. That's a real. That is a that is a real term. No, I did not make that up. <laughs> that is a real term. That was actually the first time I ever saw it was a press press release sent to me while we were still at Tech TV. Back in 2003. <laughs> wow. Like, they, people have been working on this forever. Yeah. And uh, Oculus is going to be the hub of that. Yeah. And so my question uh, in terms of the real competition between these two different things is how pervy are people? is the audience? Yeah. Because Sony's no clo- judgment. closed system. Yeah. No judgment. I'm just saying. Sony will never have porn games. No. For the closest you'll VR. get is Dead or Alive Extreme 3 or, or the equivalent, which does just, support PlayStation VR. Yeah, or you can just Google insane. the girls or whatever. Yeah. Um, you, know, and, and, you know, already you've got like, you know, sites where it's just like, oh, just cross your eyes like Magic Eye style and look, the porn's in 3D. You know, like, yeah. it, this, this is something the, indus- the porn industry is like on top of. Oh, right? yeah. Get no, it? pun yeah, intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pun intended. Pun intended. Of course. Uh, so uh, that, is, that is a kind of a, a, a secondary battle. Yeah. That um, I don't think Sony that will be interesting yeah. to watch. Sony has no prayer. Pun <laughs> intended. Yeah, yeah. Sony has no prayer of winning that competition. Yeah, yeah. But my question is, does that competition matter? 
on a level that can decide the bigger battle. Well, I think for adults, and I think it's who a, have I think it is a, income, yeah, it does. Yeah. I think it is a real question. Yeah. And uh, maybe not necessarily relevant to our subject matter, but it's going to be relevant. When oh, I think it's relevant uh, to our audience. Our audience, <laughs> yes. A subject matter, not necessarily, you know, unless we start seeing some... some I'm not saying it, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying. Because <laughs> there is a chance, you know, the Japanese developers are, on, are all over this already. Yeah. And there's a chance that a good chunk of the Japanese gaming public will simply disappear into their headsets and we'll never see them again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is, a, there is a theory that the reason we've never, like, run into another alien civilization or intelligence is because once a civilization develops virtual reality, they all jump into the matrix and that's it. It doesn't matter, like, yeah. Exploration stops. Yeah, there's no point. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you explore the universe when you just go in and go there? It's somewhere out there. There's a planet of people that's all plugged into a giant internet. They're just playing No Man's Sky forever. <laughs> They're living No Man's <laughs> Sky. What are you talking about? All right, we got to move on. We got uh, five other topics we got to get to. I think we sucked up about an hour talking about PlayStation VR there. So again, lots to talk about, but we do need to move on. We're going to move on and talk about the MPD report for February. Matt, first thing we should say is game sales down twelve percent year over year. Mm. Compared to last year, the same time period. And, you know, a lot of times you could say, oh, well, you know, it was a soft release schedule. It really wasn't a soft release schedule. Um, there were some, some solid things in, in February. Um, Far Cry Primal takes the number one spot. It also did huge in Europe. Um, I think it was Far Cry's best ever selling game or quickest selling mm-hmm. to X number of units sold or whatever. Um, everyone's read my game eval. I like the game a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's deserving of its sales. We'll see. If I it like can... it a lot. I think I, it might be my favorite Far Cry. Yeah, um, yeah. I think a lot. I've seen that a lot. It's certainly the most different Far Cry. Not the most groundbreaking, though. I would say probably Far Cry Two I, yeah. is the Far most Cry Two is what's you know crystallized the concept right. of the series. But yeah. I think uh, Far Cry Primal is where that concept found found its setting. Yeah, and. Uh, I do think it's interesting that this is like, this is like the Far Cry where all the reviews decided to finally like get tired of it. Yeah, it was weird. It's weird to yeah. me. It's like it's like why did you think this one was okay to like say like oh it sucks and it's boring and it's Ubisofty and it's like yeah like everyone was like ah we've done this forever. I'm just like well yeah but like it's it's pretty good. Well, this is one of those cases where the, the, the consumers were like screw you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sick of this yet. Apparently you know? not. I mean, look, a lot of people look for value. In games, you know, they're, and mm-hmm. they know when they get a Far Cry game, they can play that game for a long time, and there's going to be DLC, and they've yeah. been pretty good with supporting with DLC. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Far Cry Primal in the top five next month as well. No. And there's a point at which, like, look, if that, you know, that's how Far Cry plays. People like Far Cry. It's like, yeah. it's like, are you going to rip the new Mario game because you jump and break blocks and land on mushrooms? Yeah. Like, like that's what people like want picking, when they buy that game. There's a picking and choosing of when to apply certain criteria to game reviews these yeah. days. Like, you're going to get angry that like the next Zelda, like we have to find a shield and we have to find a bomb bag and we have to. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like there are certain elements that people expect from a series, and Far Cry has those elements, and people expect it, and they like it, apparently, because they keep buying it. I'll be interested to see the reviews for Dark Souls 3 Mm. and see if they decide to Mm. apply that same principle to the Dark Souls series. Interesting, Or if they'll cower in fear of the Dark Souls (laughs) fans, which, believe me, I got a little taste of that with my my opinions on Bloodborne. So, yeah, yeah, so we'll see. I was brave enough to say it, though, and uh, we'll see if uh, if some of the other people are as well. So yeah, there's certainly some weird double standards going on there. But then you get into the whole well, this is hit the, this reviewer's opinion, and maybe somebody else reviews it. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And just talk about that for hours as well. 
Number two, Call of Duty Black Ops 3. And number three, Grand Theft Auto 5. Those... Grand Theft Auto... Who doesn't have Grand Theft Auto 5? Who? I mean, what PAX says is that every time somebody buys a new console, they buy a the first GTA game they buy it. is GTA 5. Which makes sense. It yeah. does. It totally makes sense. If you, if you haven't sense. played that yet, yeah. Well, it makes sense provided you didn't have... A console last generation where Somewhat, you can play. But, I mean, I bought the PS4 version of GTA Five, and I, and I played all the way through the 360 version of it. Yeah, and like I played, it, I played all the way through like 100 percent on, on PS4. PS4. I didn't get the platinum because I didn't get to level 100 in the multiplayer, but I got to like level 70. Wow. I, mean, I mean, I played that game a lot on PS4. And people are still playing it, still putting so. out DLC for it. I just think these t- Call of Duty, not so so much. I mean, it's only three months old, four months right. old. And it, look, it does this every time anyway. Right. But seeing Grand Theft Auto V, a game from... What year did it even come out? Like, it was like... Was that 2012? Yeah. Or 2013. 2013. It was 2013. Yeah. A three-year-old game. Number three on the chart. GTA. That, to me, I mean, you're talking about the 12% dip year over year. I mean, if people are buying Grand Theft Auto V, they're not buying new software. So... Yeah. I mean, the price drops on the consoles has something to do with that dip as well because they were four hundred dollars or more last year. Now they're three fifty, three hundred. So, and you wonder why Rockstar, you know, it's like, oh, their releases, there's so few of them, and it's like, well, apparently it's all about making that GTA, <laughs> yeah. right? Seriously. So, um... All right, so let's go to number four, Naruto Shippuden, and I'm sure I mispronounced that, and someone's going to correct me, both in the live stream and in the comments below the video on Sifted. <laughs> Ultimate Ninja Storm 4. We used to mispronounce that game on purpose. On just, to just to piss people, people off, off, yeah. Naruto. Yeah, I'm sure I pronounced Shippuden or Shippuden or however you say it. I'm sure I pronounced I that Shippuden. wrong as well. Shippuden is close enough. Yeah. Anyway, you know what game I'm talking about, people. Ultimate Number Ninja four. Storm. Number four, that game comes in. I'm surprised at that. It's at, I'm not really. That's a big, that's a big property. And there's a certain, certain segment, a certain age Part group. four. Yeah. <laughs> Part four. They grew up with it, and they love it, and they play it, and that's all there is to it. It's, I just, here's the weird thing about Naruto. Nur- Nur- also, those, Naruto that, those games, is, I don't care about Naruto at all, but uh, those games are beautiful. They are gorgeous, but they keep telling the same story over and over again. Yeah, but that's what people want, apparently. Why? I don't know. The Dragon Ball games are like that, too. It's just like, we're going to tell this story over and over and over again. It's like, Why? It's going to be slightly prettier and play a little better, and that's all there is to it. And I mean, but also, like, you know, it's a, it's a competition game. It's a fighting game. There are actual tournaments now that stream on Twitch. Like, there's money involved in them and stuff, and it's like, you know, I mean, it's certainly not going to take over for League of Legends or Street Fighter V anytime soon, yeah. but like... You know, there's a community around the, the, the Ultimate Ninja Storm games. So. Why this is more surprising to me, I, we will become more clear here in a minute. So let's move along. NBA 2K16, number five, no big surprise. Yeah. Sports game, NBA playoffs about to start. Isn't that old, been out a few months. Mm-hmm. Totally cool with that. Lego Marvel Avengers comes in at number six. A little lower than I might have expected. Lower? Yeah. Really? Those games tend to sell. Remember Jurassic Park? Yeah, you're right. And it had legs, too, yeah. in Europe, at least. It, I think the thing is they're releasing this too late. You know, if they'd I released, mean, talk about fatigue. Yeah. There's, there's somebody who's got fatigue. This game also if they'd got released it alongside reviews, a, pretty much. Yeah, well, because there's not a lot left to it. You know, there, there's not, they, I don't think they have any real new ideas left for the superhero stuff in, this, in the LEGO games. I mean, LEGO games are, like, review-proof. Pretty much. But, like, I think if they'd released this last summer, like, up alongside Age of Ultron and Ant-Man, I think it would have done much better because it would have been fresher in people's minds. It's still doing pretty darn well. It's still doing well, but, like, I think, you know... It is out on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven platforms. Seven platforms. platforms. (laughs) Um, 
Is it not on PC? Uh, PC is not listed here. I think it is. On I think PC, it is. Though. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be uh, eight, platform. eight platforms. And it's probably on iOS and Android as well. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there will be a version. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I just think it, it's getting lost in the shuffle because like no one's thinking about Marvel right now because you know Star Wars really took over the, the zeitgeist uh, in December and now Batman vs Superman is the big deal. Civil uh, War stuff's starting to heat up though. They yeah, but it's just not DLC there yet. For this I wouldn't. For I wouldn't War. be surprised if we see this game hang on the charts for a few months as Civil War comes and like makes people think about Marvel again. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Now this is the game that made me my eyes pop out at Naruto. Street Fighter V comes in at number seven, getting its lunch eaten by Naruto. Mm. Can we say at this point, Matt, that Street Fighter V is a huge bomb? No. No? I need to see the digital sales. Man. I think a lot of people bought this game digitally. This game has sold 60,000 copies in Japan so far, Matt. Mm. 60,000. I want to see the digital sales. Still. Even if they're double that, and let's say in Japan they're double that, which I highly doubt. Let, that's 200,000 in Japan. Mm-hmm. That's really bad. Mm. Really bad. I still say, like, we'll wait and see what like, the sales turn out to be once they've finished the game. Because the people buying it right now, some, you're either people that don't know it's not finished, or it's people that want to get competition time in in preparation for tournaments like Evo. I just think it's too late. It's like the people who would buy this on an impulse didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. And no, ma- no ma- amount of stories written about it or re-reviews, or it's not, it's not going to make a difference for those well, people. We'll see, I mean, you know, I don't think it's gonna, ever going to sell up to the level of like the current Mortal Kombat. Because look, it's we not, had it's a conversation before the game came out, and I was actually saying that I didn't think it was going to do that well. You, but I still thought it would do like, you know, eventually like two or three million you thought it would do a little better than the two or three million. It's not going to hit the two or three million. Not in retail. No. But I need to see what the. I would love to see what digital sales are. Uh, the argument could be made if the digital sales were that high, Capcom would have said something. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, there are more people signing up for the Evo Street Fighter Five tournament right now than have ever signed up for Street Fighter Five. No, before. I get that, but so I mean, like, that's a very small group of. It people. It is a very small group of people, but the point is that like that's repre- you know that's representative of the interest because very few people who can get you know can get to Vegas to play an Evo and have the courage to even you know throw yeah. their fucking stick in the ring for for that. Yeah. Um, that says to me that there's a lot of people out there that are playing this game, and I think a lot of them bought it digitally. Because it doesn't make sense. Why would you? Why would you ever want the disc version of this game? It's to all, resell it. But for what? It's always online. It's going to be updated for years, according to Capcom. Uh, it's you know you want to play online. You know you don't want to have to put a disc in every time you want to play a couple rounds. Like 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 digital. This game makes more sense to buy digital than just about anything else on my PlayStation. It 4. does, but you can't collect ones and zeros. Like <laughs> right. But you can you can fucking and t- people like to collect stuff. Yeah, but you can tell like. How many people bought it versus how many people didn't buy a, a retail copy? Yeah. I, mean, I collect Street. I have a Street Fighter collection too, but I bought the digital version. Yeah. I have no physical copy of Street Fighter Five. Well, they sent me the digital version for review, and I'm not going to go buy it because I didn't enjoy it a ton. But I mean, look, you have to agree with me that you're surprised at the sales of this game. I'm surprised it's it's in the bottom five. Yeah, and in Japan, like. It's well, already flatlined. Japan is kind of a lost cause at this point, I think. Is J- it? Yeah, Japan is all mobile now. Like it's you know, No, I mean, look, there are games that sell. I mean, look, it the, its opening week it was like 8th. It got beaten by Common Riders. Like 
Yeah, but again, I don't like Japan is even more digital friendly. So who knows? I just I'm flabbergasted by the performance of Street Fighter Five. I am blown away in my wildest pessimism. Pessimism. I would have never guessed this game would sell this poorly ever. Like, mm-hmm. and again, you know, a lot of times I can look at how things do on Sifted, and that's a good indicator of how they're going to do at retail. This one actually did pretty well on the site. As far as traffic and people's interest mm-hmm. in the game, it waned a little bit towards the end because it was just like an overload of media at a certain much. point. Yeah. Mean, yeah, but I mean, overall, like people were into it, but people are still into it. The community is extremely large and extremely healthy in terms of the fighting game community sur- surrounding it. The tournaments are doing very well, having record signups at all times. It's just that's just not translating into the casual sales that are what puts something on the top of the NPD. Yeah, uh, and you know the question, the real question, because because. As long as the, fight, the community is healthy, I don't really care how many copies it sells because I'm not Capcom. The question is, are the sales, digital plus physical, a disappointment to Capcom? Right. That's and, all that matters, and really. And but... if they are, are they going to continue to support it in the face of the community? Because so, the community is all over. community likes it a lot, I think. You know, yeah. the, the, you know, the fighting game community has really embraced it, and people were worried that... Well, as long as you play it online, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But, people, but again, the, the community was worried... That people wouldn't want to move on from Ultra Street Fighter Four. That yeah. Ultra Street Fighter Four's life wasn't over yet, and the community would be angry after like a decade. Or, yeah, <laughs> would be would be angry about having forced to move on in Evo because there's no Ultra Street Fighter Four in Evo, right? You know, because it's all Street Fighter Five. Capcom yeah. helps sponsor this Capcom Tour tournament, which means you promote the game that Capcom wants promoted, which means Street Fighter Five. Yeah, and so there was a lot of worry that people would be kind of like irritated they had were being forced to play Street Fighter Five for this Capcom Tour, and would they kind of walk away? Would they do side tournaments and like would more people play the Street Fighter 4 side tournaments than in the official Street Fighter 5 tournament. And that has turned, the answer to that has turned out to be a gigantic capital N, capital O. No yeah. one is doing that. Everyone is playing Street Fighter 5. So the community is super healthy in that regard. But again, uh, Mortal Kombat, the last Mortal Kombat sold what? Like 10 million copies? I don't think it sold that much, but it sold like over 5. A lot. Yeah. Like it, it was like... It was like it did really, really well. high for a fighting game in the 21st century, yeah. like even by Street Fighter 4 standards. Yeah. Which Street Fighter 4 sold about the same amount, but it took like four versions to do that, whereas a Mortal Kombat game sells that much in one version. I mean, it could just be the reviews just turn people off. Could be. There were really no glowing reviews for the game before launch. I think you're going to have to hope this game has legs. Long, yeah. long, long legs that extend past when Capcom finishes giving us the rest of the game via, via DLC. Yeah. That's the other reason I think the, the the disc thing is a thing is like if you find out that like oh you know this game's going to be like eventually updated with this extra story mode and these challenge modes like it's basically like okay the thing that's on the disc is worthless yeah like unless you intend to trade this in later yeah why w- there's no reason not to buy the digital version of this game so I think the digital sales on this were uh, unusually high like disproportionately high even compared to any other regular AAA release I'd probably agree uh, with that but I, I would, still I would like to see them release I still think it's Bomba <laughs> I don't know if it's Bomba I think it's more disappointment yeah <laughs> that could be alright we gotta move on number 8 Minecraft which will never go away ever mm-hmm. yeah like literally I wonder if like 3 or 4 years from now it'll still be in the top 10 sure New, new babies will be born, and they need a copy of Minecraft. Yeah, you're right. Like that's really it's what's much happening. What it is? Like, it is. Yeah, like, the Mine- population as they get to that age, yeah. they just buy Minecraft. It's that's... insane. Microsoft. You want to talk oh. about families buying shit to play together? Minecraft. Yeah. A micro, you know, everybody thought Microsoft was insane when it bought Minecraft I for didn't. all that money. I didn't. And in ten years, 
or 15, 20 years when all those kids that grew up playing Minecraft on, an, on a pad are all of a sudden like in their 20s and early 30s and they're all getting all nostalgic and they're having kids of their own and they want to play Minecraft with their kids. Guess who's going to be raking in all the money? On the holodeck or wherever, yep. whatever we're playing games with at that point. Yeah, we're, we're all going to be, yeah, computer and simulation. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, everyone's going to be building Minecraft with their, with their uh, you know, in their home office uh, holodeck with their HoloLens 4.0. You won't even have to probably move your fingers. You just think it, and the block just moves. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Computer. Minecraft. That biggest legs ever, maybe, for a video game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's the thing. is like, And that's going to be the conflict, I think, with Nintendo, is like you have a generation of children coming up right now that are that, Minecraft fans. That are playing Minecraft and have no attachment to Mario. Yeah. And so what happens when you end up in that sort of negative space window where there's like 10 years... Because let's say Nintendo comes back with the NX and the NX is like a hit on, on like NES levels. Which and is it, looking really tough if you start yeah, thinking but about let's the just, money. Let's go with, go with the hypothetical okay. here. <laughs> you, you're going to have like this 10-year hole yeah. where, the, where the adults that were running through this new generation have no nostalgia for Nintendo games. You're right. Yeah. And that could be the, the nail in the coffin. That really finishes Nintendo. Because right they, for all the failures of to engage a new generation Nintendo may have had, they've always had those 12 million Nintendo fans that were already there yeah. to, to buy their systems and, and keep them afloat. And if that goes away in 15 to 20 years, you know, who knows? Who knows where we are then? But who by knows then, where Nintendo's going to be in five years? Nintendo could be a very different company inside of two years, yeah. you know, depending on what happens with Pokemon Go. Depending on what happens with the NX. Yeah, depending, 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 depending. I mean, NX coming out, if it really does come out this year, I think that'd be a huge well, mistake. Well, Pactor doesn't think it's this year. He doesn't, yeah. Although some people... And I don't either, but... Some people are taking that as confirmation that it is this year. Right, yeah, because some people just say whatever he says, <laughs> the exact opposite is... And I don't, know if, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe the anti-Pactor uh, divining formula. Right. But, um... There's still, I'm still going to be a little shocked if it's not this. And I guess we're going to find out soon because I guess <laughs> like that, that finance call in, in April is expected they're going to say they have new hardware coming in this fiscal. Well, think about all that money that's going to go towards PlayStation VR. Yeah. But think it'll... about if you're Nintendo and you don't believe in VR. I think that's a big mistake. <laughs> I do too, but <laughs> Nintendo. It is. I yeah. Mean, all right, let's move on. Number nine... Fire Emblem Fates. Speaking of Nintendo. Right. And this was just one of several versions of this game. According to Nintendo, if all the versions were added up, it would have been in third place and would have sold more than Grand Theft Auto V. And I think that would have put him at, like, I think all the versions together sold... Oh, I don't want to quote it. It was either 310,000 or 410,000. But, you know, 3DS has a big install base... Um, but it, look, it is a great game. It deserves yeah. the sales that it gets. And uh, it's good to see that this is one case where the press actually worked. It got great reviews. People saw the reviews. Mm. People went out and bought it. Um, and I think uh, this one also has a substantial digital sale. Uh, Probably, yeah. Because once you buy one, it then offers you the chance to buy at a lower cost in the game. You can buy uh, right. digital copies of the other two. Right. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of people did that and made Nintendo even more money. And this was really confusing. Like, you know, every review... Like, there was, like, 
some sites actually went so far as to like do like three separate mm-hmm. reviews for this game. Well, they are totally different games, except well, for the first, not totally for six chapters. different. Yeah, but but you can skip me. I mean, ones for like noobs, ones for like yeah, they're ninety five percent different. And a lot like, of times, and then the third one like didn't that. even come out until like two weeks later, right? Because it was that's the one you're supposed to play last. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times when you do stuff like that, you just face plant. But Nintendo managed to massage that situation very well, and the game sold great. It mm. deserves it. It's um, a good game. Yeah, it is a good game. And the last one was great too. It's probably my favorite 3DS game. Now this is probably my new favorite 3DS game. Uh, number ten to round it out, Fallout Four. Yeah. How, do we know how this game did overall? How Fallout 4 It did well. I think it hasn't had the legs that Bethesda had hoped mm-hmm. it would have. Because, like, you know, Skyrim and Fallout 3 were pretty massive. They yeah. lasted forever in the charts. And yeah. and there were also kind of, was also kind of that feeling of, like, oh, wow, like Bethesda games get bigger every time they release yeah. one. And I feel like this one didn't didn't build on Skyrim sales Yeah. Yeah, oh, no, it definitely didn't. Skyrim out has well, to this point in time has outsold mm-hmm. Fallout 4. I don't know if the DLC will reinvigorate get more people to buy it. But the other thing with Bethesda is like it needs these games to sell that amount because they only release so many. Right. It's like, you know, some publishers would be like, "Well, it didn't sell quite as well as the last one, but it's we still We got something else next we quarter. We still made a ton of money off of this game." They do know? have Doom coming though, so we'll yeah. see if uh that can boost them a little bit. And who, Open who beta for that coming soon. They've, they've got who knows what to announce at E3. Yeah. That, you know, well, they already said they're working on three big right. new games or whatever. But like, so. Presumably one of them is going to be this fall because that seems to be how they're rolling now. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe it's not that big a deal that this game underperforms in comparison to Skyrim. I mean, look, I'm surprised to see Naruto outsell Fallout 4, even though Fallout 4 has been out for a few months. Well, we'll see if Naruto's still around next month. Yeah, right? I don't think it will be. Because I think we all know what's going to be on top for March. Yeah. It's going to be Ubisoft again. Yeah, yeah. But it is crazy. It still blows my mind that Naruto outsold Street Fighter. Like, I just cannot get over that, Matt. I mean, this look, Naruto, that is the same game that they have put out four times. Yeah, but if you want single-player content, Naruto's got it. Naruto's got something for you, for you there. Vaguely. Oh, it's got... If, if, if you're interested in that show... It lets you play the show. Not really. I mean, you're still just battling in this like arena area. Have you seen the show? Because that's all it is. Yeah. That's screaming that's all and it fighting. Is. Yeah. yeah. I, I just I'm blown away by the fact that Street Fighter was outsold by that game. All right, it's time to move on to the next topic of the Big Six, where we're going to talk about games that have been canceled that totally devastated us for one reason or another. So. Matt, you're going to start. What is your first pick? We're both going to pick two Mm. games. Matt, what is your first pick for a game that when you found out it was canceled, you were just beside yourself? Uh, My first pick would be Propeller Arena for the Dreamcast. (laughs) Wow. Which, um, maybe this is a a deep cut. But um, (laughs) this was uh, an online dogfighting multiplayer game for the Dreamcast uh, that was supposed to come out near the end of 2001. And uh, one of the things you could do to beat someone is you could uh, basically outmaneuver them, and if they crashed into a building, they would be destroyed, or a rock or whatever, they'd be destroyed. Uh, now, in the after September in 2001, Sega didn't think it was a good idea to release a game that featured planes hitting buildings, for some reason. Um, they were probably right. I love this trailer, uh, by the way. Ice World. Ice World. 
there's a lava world and an ice world and a canyon world. It's, it's like, it's like everything. everything. That's what they call it, ice world. But I'd had a lot of fun playing Alien Front Online and a lot of other like multiplayer, yeah, yeah, multiplayer action stuff on the Dreamcast. And I was really looking forward to this because I'm a big plane and you know dogfighting fan. And when they canceled this, while I understand why they canceled it, um, sort of. Not I, really, I, I, I feel like people could separate the two situations. I mean... Yeah. Uh, but like I was very unhappy That they cancelled this Because it, it looked like A ton of fun Yeah I think it still looks like A ton of fun If you watch it right now I think, I think Airport it, Airport Eagle so Jam awesome. <laughs> I mean it was 2001 it was, The Dreamcast we, we, We've come a long way From, from Red Valley And the Muscle Bros <laughs> And the Pizza King What? That's this an airplane Called Pizza King Awesome Sky <laughs> High <laughs> Pengo Really great. I love it. So yeah, this would be one of this is, when I think of canceled games that I wish I'd gotten to play. Uh, Propeller Arena is definitely one of them. So Matt, I was surprised by this because there's this other little game floating out there called Star Wars thirteen thirteen that yeah, I figured well. might be one. Of Picks. Maybe it's my next pick. Yeah. But you know it's not. Yeah. Uh, 13, 13, first off, I don't think 1313 is totally dead. I think a lot of concepts from it are going to be reincorporated into the into Amy Hennig's Star Wars game. Good. Uh, and B, uh, I don't give a shit about Boba Fett. Really? So, uh, he was always my favorite Star Wars character. Why? Because he was like... Because he looks cool. Because he was silent, he was an assassin, and he, and he, he looked cool. He was a he bounty had, hunter. He had the, to me, when I'm a kid, well. he was an assassin. <laughs> and he had the he had the coolest ship in the whole universe. Like you know, I, a lot of people like Boba Fett, man. I know a lot of people like Boba Fett, but it's my like, whole circle of friends. We were like Boba Fett worshippers. Like well, the Boba Fett thing, in part, comes from the fact that he was the first figure you could get from Empire Strikes Back. You could yeah. send in your proofs of purchase right, yeah. and get him through the mail. Everybody had, that and everybody had there. him, and everybody would like you'd stand around in the schoolyard and be like, "What is he? Like, what does he yeah. do? Like, who is he? Like, you know, uh, no one knew. Everyone was all the speculation. He came out. He was a dude in a cool set of armor that did nothing. He does nothing." He He's, had a pretty pivotal role, though. He had a pivotal role, but he does nothing. He stands around. He says, "People, oh, people." That's like, why I liked him, though. He was a man of few words. He was a badass. He does nothing. I'm, He's you, can, nothing. you can argue that all you want. The bottom line is a he lot of people stands around. Love Fett. The, the the other thing that people thought he was cool for, which I will admit uh, is valid, is uh, he talked back to Darth Vader. He's yeah. the only character who talks back to Darth Vader. Everybody wanted to know why. And then there's the whole thing where he points his gun at Chewie and Vader pushes it down. Yeah. And you're like, what's going on between those guys? Yeah. Uh, and it turned out that there was originally an idea that, um, Va- that Boba Fett was going to be Vader's uh, brother. Uh, okay. That they were related, so that's right. how they knew each other. And then in The Return of the Jedi, um, he stands around again... And then he uh, rockets across uh, a gap to point a gun at a guy with a sword yeah. that he could have just pointed from up there. And then he gets hit by a blind man and screams like a girl and falls into a pit. This sounds, That's per- this sounds personal for you, Matt. Because sounds like you're upset that people be- like him so Because much. it's dumb. Well, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't the liking Boba Fett at the time so much as how like the expanded universe took him. It's like, oh, then he got out of the, sh- the pit, and then he teamed up with all the other bounty hunters from Empire Strikes right. Back, and then they flew around the galaxy and failed at various other things. It was, it was, it's dumb. I, I, don't, I don't understand the obsession with Boba Fett. Well, he's now a, I totally a, understand why you don't care about he's Star a super, Wars 13, He's a super 13. cool character design <laughs> who never lived up to his character design, and yeah. if you'd like to see... Uh, the second example of that, we're currently living through uh, Captain Phasma, who's also an awesome character design who did nothing in her movie. Okay, I'm going to move on to my first pick. My first pick is BC, Peter Molyneux's open-world prehistoric dinosaur game, the game I wish Far Cry Primal was. 
Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> like, I even when I was playing Primal for the Game Eval, I was hoping at some point, like, some crazy Far Cry thing would happen, and you get transported in time, or you discover this lost enclave of dinosaurs, like... No game that invents its own caveman language is ever going to give you that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like they put too much research into this to bring in the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, Far Cry typically has, like, these crazy, like, sci-fi things that happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... It wouldn't be that far-fetched. It's not well, like Blood it's all Dragon grounded did. in reality or anything. Like, they do take some liberties with reality in those games. So, Peter Molyneux, open-world game. Um, you know, I've typically liked his games even though they've fallen short of a lot of people's expectations like i've enjoyed them um i've also liked the comedy in a lot of his games and i feel like a hell of a run cycle look at that run animation (laughs) (laughs) this was an xbox one game like the very Mm -hmm. first xbox um was pretty far into development before it was ever canned there's footage there's like literally like an hour of gameplay footage that you can find if you really dig around for it um i was really excited for this game um, it was promoted pretty heavily. It was talked about mm-hmm. him several times. Um, and, you know, back then there weren't a lot of open world games, period. No. I mean, you had, like, Grand Theft Auto and a couple weird, like, attempts at it, like Headhunter and stuff like that. So like Outland. Yeah, I mean, this could have been, like, a paradigm-shifting game. I've always been fascinated with dinosaurs. Like, I almost, you know, as a kid I wanted to become a zoologist because I was obsessed with dinosaurs. I just love that whole era of, of the planet's history. Um, I was just really excited for it, and it just never happened. I'm still not sure why it was ever canceled, to be honest. Like, uh, as I understand it, basically it came down to they could afford to finish this game or Fable, and they picked Fable. No, maybe that was not a smart decision. <laughs> no, Fable did pretty damn well. Yeah, I mean, I guess it did. I mean, Fable. To, I mean, the fact that to this day, last week, we're talking about how the last Fable game got canceled. Yeah. Would we have been talking about you know the sixth BC game being canceled last week? It could have. Maybe. But, you know, it's at that, you know, a certain point, you run out of years and the dinosaurs are extinct. Well, I would also see something like this game, like, evolving over time, where, right. it, like, it goes, like, to the next stage to where it does maybe end up turning into, like, a Far Cry Primal, mm. where you're near that stage where people are a little, where the humans are a little more intelligent or Neanderthals or whatever. So, that's my first pick. What's your second pick, Matt? My second pick is uh, Legacy of Cain, Dead Sun. And which... I have to admit... I didn't had not even heard of this game. Most people hadn't, but it was actually dug up by um, a NeoGaf poster called named uh, Mama Robotnik, I believe, who used to he's 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 very obsessed with uh, Legacy of Kane and would periodically dig up like these crazy research things he did, and he dug up all this stuff on this game that almost nobody had heard of, and it was a uh, it was a kind of a Zelda style kind of Soul Reaver style uh, Legacy of Kane game um, that also had a multiplayer component. And when it got cancelled, the multiplayer component was salvaged and turned into a game called Nazgoth, which I don't think exists anymore, but was kind of a... Sort and it got cancelled too? Yeah, it was like a sort of a free-to-play, but it actually did come out and was available to play for a while. Um, <coughs> but I am a huge Legacy of Kane fan. Uh, from the first game on, Soul Reaver was great. Um, yeah, I, I love that that property and that story and those characters, and I would love to see it come back. And so that was one of those games I was talking about earlier on the original PlayStation, where I was mm-hmm. playing it and I was like, I love this game, but it could be so much better yeah. on another platform. <laughs> Very Victus and yeah. uh, you know, Simon Templeman, great act, great voice actor, really has only done that character yeah. for the most part. But um, 
Uh, I really want more Legacy of Kane, and when I found out about this, like, never happening, like, it retroactively, like, destroyed me. Because, yeah. like, I, no one even knew, I don't think anyone yeah, really that's knew. That's odd, you didn't know it, it existed. Was, I didn't know it existed, <laughs> but now I do know it existed, and that bothers me, and I wish that, like, part of me wishes Mama Robotnik had never found out, and part of me, like, is glad that we do know. Yeah. Because um, it looked pretty cool in some places, but... Uh, that would be my pick it Just just because I so desperately want uh, Legacy of Kane to come back And I don't think it ever will And if it did You don't think come, it ever will? I don't think it ever will And if I think if it does come back I won't even like it very much Because it's not written by Amy Hennig anymore Well that, She's not dead yet, Matt Well, no, but I don't think I don't think she's going to go back To Crystal Dynamics And write them of Legacy of Kane Crystal again. Dynamics may not even be the ones Who make the game ultimately I Like, you never know it. I'm sure they do, but they could farm it out to I somebody suppose. else or whatever. But like, yeah, so Soul Reaver is kind of where Amy Hennig started, and then she moved on to, to Naughty Dog and Uncharted's. But uh, I think Soul Reaver 2, while I don't think it's actually a very good game, uh, it's li- Soul Reaver 2 is literally you run along a path for like hours yeah. and see cutscenes, and then you get to the end of that path, and then you turn around and run all the way back to the start. It's yeah, literally I know. What it is. That guy, I didn't actually like that game. Uh, so much the game at all. of that, but I think it's one of the best scripts. Ever in a game Like there's some Great great scenes In that game If you can slog your way Through the gameplay Yeah That's um, a tall order Though I think It is It is uh, I thought about replaying it At one point And then I ended up Just watching it Watching this cutscenes On YouTube <laughs> There you go um, But uh, Cut out the middleman. But I would love to see uh, Legacy of Kane come back Because I think it's a cool uh, It's a cool world They have there But uh, Sometimes it's better to let those things lie. But this 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 game looked like it had promise, and it it makes me very sad it never happened. Okay, and my last pick is Dead Phoenix for GameCube. So Dead Phoenix, do you remember Dead Phoenix? I think it was one of the Capcom six five five. Yep. One of the Capcom 5, Nintendo signed a big exclusive deal with Capcom back during the GameCube era for five games. Um I don't know how that ended up working out financially. I don't know if Capcom had to give them some of the money back, but this was one of them. Well, they made a couple, another like ver- like beautiful Joe or something for him, I think. You know, yeah, they, they had they ended up having more than five, or maybe at least five. Well, what games. they ended up doing was like re-releasing some of the old Resident Evil games on GameCube, mm-hmm. and I think they tried to attribute some of those towards like yeah. the five-game deal. Well, the remake worked out pretty well for them. Oh, sure, the remake did great. Um, Resident Evil Four was part of the Capcom Five. Yep. And uh, and they uh, did Beautiful two, Joe and yeah Beautiful and, Joe um, and then remakes of the older ones uh, P- piano 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 three three yeah the the ass shaking game that game was pretty awful pretty yeah. to look at but pretty awful yeah and, but so anyway let's Phoenix. talk about this game though the most unique game I've seen from Capcom still I haven't seen a game this unique from Capcom in a long time yeah believed at the time I think it's kind of a legendary wings spiritual successor if you remember that old arcade game it actually gives me a little bit of a of a lair vibe remember yeah. lair from factor five the game for that PlayStation killed factor 3? five yeah, oh, yeah the game that killed factor five it does remind me of that a little bit but it also has like a little taste of like monster hunter in it mm. there's like lots of big battles with massive creatures and uh, Obviously, you can free fly. It's like an open world type of game where you can fly wherever you want. You're basically playing as like Icarus. Yeah. There was lots of talk for a while that it was, you know, canceled so it could be turned into a kid Icarus game. That never happened. I think Matt Casamassina from IGN reported that, that it was going to become a kid Icarus game. Yeah, well, what didn't he report? (laughs) I was so, of all the Capcom 5, like even more than like the Resident Evil games, because, you know, at that point, I didn't know Resident Evil 4 was going to be so freaking awesome. I was just like, oh, another Resident Evil game or this. Like, I mm-hmm. would ra- at that point, I would have much rather 
have played Dead Phoenix. And what made it even more grueling was that, like, there was they never really said that they canceled it. Like Capcom, yeah, they, this one Capcom just never put away. out a press release and said it's been canceled or you know we're moving it on. Nothing. Like it just lingered there forever, which was provided fodder for people like Casa Messina to like mm. feed into the whole thing and say, oh, it's being reworked for Kid Icarus or whatever. Like, which I think has been proven to be completely false. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it was proven to be completely yeah. false. But yeah. So. I will always dream of being able to play this game. Yeah. Like it to, just... to me, this always seemed like, oh, this is like what Panzer Dragoon would have evolved into if if they kept making him. Which yeah, is a, which is a shame. Well, you can also see he see transforms it. into like a huge freaking phoenix. Yeah, like I just, he's still thinking about this game. Like, so you transform into this huge phoenix. Then what do you do? Do you go fight other massive creatures? Judging like, by the title, you die. Yeah, <laughs> I just think it looks. I still think it looks. Flipping awesome. Like, if I heard that they had started working on this game again for NX or PlayStation 4 or Xbox One or VR, like, I would be crazy pumped. Like, I'd rather have this for an NX exclusive than Beyond Good and Evil 2. Well, let's not get crazy. I'm not being crazy. I would be more excited for this game than to play Beyond Good and Evil 2. That's my opinion. That's why I was devastated. When I found out that this game was canceled, it's unique. I've never seen another game like it, unless you count Kid Icarus. But look, he also has like that massive like hand claw thing. Like, I just think the game looks flipping awesome. I still think it looks awesome, and uh, I was devastated when I found out that I didn't even really find out. Like, it was just this slow death where I just lost every little glimmer of hope slowly over time until I had none left. Yeah, it was annoying how that game just sort of faded. That was also true of a lot of like GameCube era stuff where it's like. There, you hit a point where it's like, well, what, what happened to this game? And they're like, oh, it's, it's a look over there. You know, it's, yeah. it's like no one, no one would give any definitive answers as to what happened to any of these games they showed and then disappeared. Well, my third pick, my follow-up would have been Mario One Twenty Eight, mm. another GameCube game. And uh, you know, that game may say that elements of it ended up going into Super Mario Sunshine. I don't see any elements of Mario One Twenty Eight in Super Mario no, Sunshine. No, not really. I, mean, I, I see. I figured Mario 128 basically became Pikmin. Yeah, I mean that's what I assumed as well. But yeah, they're saying that it was like incorporated somehow into Super Mario Sunshine, which mm-hmm. I, I just don't see. But it seems like that kind of became like it. Like maybe maybe the concepts behind that sort of became Pikmin and like the mini Mario games on, yeah. the, on the on the DS. Um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff, and it was also that uh, I'm never gonna remember the, the name of it, but it was like. Factor Five had another like kind of hack and slash skies and armor and sword game that I guess was like that they showed a couple times. Oh. Um, oh yeah. And I can't remember the name of it at all, but like they because it was it was shown like it might have been the same year as the Capcom Five. I can't remember uh, either. And that got killed. Anyone uh, in chat know what we're talking about? Someone in chat will know what it is. They can Google it. <laughs> um, no, they'll know. Automa- I'm sure someone knows off the top of their head, but like because someone out for someone out there, that game. Is the game they'd pick for this Phoenix, segment? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's going to be. Uh, it, it, it was. It was just like this weird limbo area where, like, all these games that were supposed to be for this system that all of a sudden had a much shorter lifespan or shorter viable. When they realized it was only going to sell yeah. twenty million units. They're like, so. Oh, they're just going to slowly back away from this one. Yeah. And we're just not going to admit that we're. 
It's funny because like that was when nobody wanted to admit they didn't want to support Nintendo anymore because right. it was the the financial hit they were going to take. Yeah. And now it's just like, yeah, we're not making anything for that stupid system. It's oh like, yeah, because like, they had the little mini disc and they couldn't fit all their FMV on it. And right. If they did, it was all compressed and janky. But and... back then, it was still you know not you know backing off of a deal with Nintendo was like betraying the eight hundred pound gorilla. Yeah, yeah. People had, people had not adjusted to the idea that Nintendo wouldn't maybe wouldn't be on top forever. Now they're just like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like. It does what? Yeah. There's another... Sc- oh. Yeah. Mm, that's nice. Yeah, you know, that's, have like, fun it, with that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I wonder, how, I wonder how they're doing getting, like, third-party interest on the NX. I don't know. We should find out pretty soon. I mean, yeah, I guess three, so. Only got a couple months to go. They're going to have to show something there. So, that's our picks for games we were devastated when we found out that they were canceled. Throw some of yours in the chat on Twitch or in the comments. I'm sure other people will be bringing up games that I'm like, oh yeah, that one hurt too. But those were the two games that I was really, really hyped for. Yeah, the other one, never uh, delivered. One I, I might have picked, although again, I don't know if there's any proof this game even existed. But the other one would be Metroid Dread. Yeah, that was another one. I think that'd be another Casamassina fabrication. Could have been. Yeah, there was a there was a period where IGN was a very fanciful place. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I visited it every day though back then. <laughs> Because well, you never knew what was going to happen. Yeah. IGN 64 was awesome. I mean, honestly, IGN 64 is what got me into this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it was really the first, like, modern-day video game website. Yeah. They uh, had personalities that you cared about. It was him and, like... And they uh, assigned people to... Yeah, assigning people to each platform was a good move because on one hand, everyone, you know, it's like, oh, the bias. It's like, yeah, but it also fostered, like, kind of... The IGN guys all kind of had their... They had a beat. beat. And they kind of took sides. Yeah. And like I, I can only imagine if... It wasn't like, even about the sides. It's because when you just worked on that one beat, like you got Matt Casamassina, he knew all the people who worked on Nintendo games, and so he could break stories. But the only like, thing is, like, you wish you could go back in time and, like, do a podcast with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, for sure. Guys, just getting into... What are these Well, Matt cameras? works at, like, Apple now. Yeah. On, like, software or whatever. But I'm just saying, like, you know, we, we take all our equipment back in time to, like, 2000... And like set up, set up the IGN guys and have them all yell at each other. I think people are stuff. saying uh, Silent Hills. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, eight days. Remember that one? I remember Eight Days. Oh, the was crossing. that a Criterion game? Um, eight days. Maybe? I know it was made in. I don't remember in, who that I know was. it was made in Europe, but I can't remember who made it. The Crossing. That's a good. That's a good call. Uh, crossing was. It was by. Uh, uh, it was Valve was was publishing, but it was made by the people who did um, Left 4 Dead, maybe. I don't know. What it was, it was it was a shooter, but um, other people played all the enemies. Like, you never fought against an AI. You played, like, a single-player shooter, but the world, the game world, the enemies you fought were populated by other players playing in the multiplayer mode. So, yeah. like, it was, it was, you were always fighting against, like, other players who had much, much less life than you, obviously. But it was basically, like, the idea was you would never fight against, against an AI. And then, like the, you, and periodically, the single-player game was supposed to cross over into big firefights that were actually multiplayer matches yeah. of the game. Yeah. So it was, uh, that was that's a good pick. That was a cool idea that never came back again. I'm also seeing Silent Hills. Yeah. That I mean, one I wasn't all that excited for it. Based, I was not like a big fan of the PT demo. Like, I don't. Yeah, but I PT still can't isn't what. Right, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like. Right. It, what, that wasn't even what the game was going to be. No, so. it's just going to be another Silent Hill game. Yeah. Uh, and look, I mean, the last couple Silent Hill games were not good. I can't remember the last Silent Hill game I liked. And I look, I get Kojima was working on it, but he also worked on like the last Castlevania game, mm-hmm. and that wasn't really all that good either. So, 
I don't mean. You but know. look, I'm saying Dead Phoenix has no proven track record no, whatsoever. No, so no way to know. I just really like the concept one. of it. So, Prey Two, Prey Two is a good. Uh, yeah, there's lots know. of them. So Project Huxley. Wow, you oh, remember wow. Huxley? I thought that's still being worked on. I thought that did come out for P- PC in some form. I thought. Yeah, I thought it did too. Like a free to play thing or something. Maybe. It was in a lot of trade shows. Yeah, I just remember that was like the first next gen footage we saw for the 360 and PS3 and I was like no way there's no way a game could ever look that good and then yeah. like Sony's press conference happened and we're like ooh <laughs> I can't wait to see the comments on this episode on the archive because I'm sure people will start coming yeah. up with all kinds of crazy good ones so we do need to move on though next we're going to talk about Gears of War 4 um, I haven't played it Matt hasn't played it but Gears of War 4 is Game Informer's cover story for this month and it has been rolling out exclusive coverage of this game for the last week, um, like every day, pretty much, mm-hmm. like a new piece of content. Um, Pushing it hard. Yeah, and so there's a lot of new information floating out there about this game. Uh, Matt, what are your impressions? Uh, my impressions is they're going to need to show me something more interesting before I spend 60 bucks on this thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not encouraged by no. these previews from Game Informer. Not really, no. Uh, I am not invested enough in the world of Gears of War beyond the look. I love the look of the Gears of War world, but I'm not invested in the story of Gears of War enough to care what happens to Marcus Phoenix's child. Yeah. Uh, and 25 years later, and like. Yeah, to set it up, 25 years after Gears of War 3, humanity is trying to rebuild after the crazy war with the Locust. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the three playable characters is the son of Marcus Phoenix. He's like the blonde, the blonde like guy. Faux, faux hawk guy. Who apparently did not take his dad's um, uh, steroid regimen. Yeah. <laughs> People are much smaller now. I think that might be my biggest issue with this game, is it just doesn't look like Gears of War in not any really. way, I, shape, or form. I do wonder if that's intentional, though, because like if you were in the... It in, is 25 years later. 25 years later, and you're, not, you're no longer in a, you know ongoing... Like extinction event war for survival. I mean, who knows what they're pumping into these guys to make them the best soldiers they could be? That's true. And now maybe they don't. Maybe have to there do is that. a story behind it all, but it still doesn't look like Gears. It of It doesn't war. look like Gears of War. It looks more like almost like a horror game. It looks like Resident Evil is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got new enemies. They've got like you know this thing. It kind of looks like the locusts, but they're different. And then there's like this. I'm giant. sure it'll, it'll be an epic in the story. It'll yeah. be like an, they evolve. The giant dog thing that shows up at the end of this demo you're looking at right here that was at E3 last year that was just... The only a, exciting part of the demo. Yeah, well, otherwise it was just <laughs> I might people add. walking through dark areas. It was a very odd thing to show off. I mean, look, it is a pretty game. Even, even though this is really dark and you can't see much, you can tell the game technically oh, yeah. is probably and, the best-looking Xbox One game. And frankly, like... Um, yeah, there's some screenshots they've released that if those are not bull shots, yeah, that is pretty amazing. That's they're making a run for best looking game on the on the consoles right now. Yeah. Um, what would you say right now is the best looking Xbox One game? Forza. Maybe kind of yeah. Forza Six looks really good, but if you want to like, uh, it's hard to Tomb Raider. S- maybe. Maybe. I still think Rise looked really good. Yeah. I mean, Rise is beautiful. It is. Um, it's not a very fun game to no, play. No, I'm not but... saying it's a good game. I'm just yeah. saying it's 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 really pretty. That was a launch game, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess like four to six is probably the best looking, just in terms of like visual fidelity. Technically, and, and it yeah. runs smooth. You know, it's a 60 frames per second and everything. But like, 
I don't know. I always feel like car games are kind of cheating. It is. You know? It is it's cheating. Like, it's just... Because you always know which direction everyone's going to be going. Right. And... Whereas, like, car games used to be the metric. It was right. always like, oh, what's the big racer on the N64? What does the pop-in look like? Right. What the draw yeah. What's the draw distance? Yeah, that was yeah. where you, where you like, made <laughs> your... Yeah, Digital, if Digital Foundry had been around in 1996, they'd have been comparing, yeah, like, Cruising day. USA <laughs> and Gran Turismo 2, and that would be... I mean, look, the crazy part is we still get pop-in draw-in. Yeah. Like, after all this yeah. time, because they just want to push the hardware as much as they can, so we still have it. It's so, better than it was. But. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back and talk about Gears 4 a little more. Uh, the, so a lot of the weapons are built around, like, construction tools, mm-hmm. because humans are trying to rebuild civilization, essentially. Yeah, it's been there's, there's not really any war anymore. Right. Well, until now. Well, right. But yeah, a lot of their weapons are made out of like construction like items. Like there's one gun that I th- and I think this is cool. They shoot saw blades, mm. and once you shoot the saw blades out, they actually ricochet around. And they said that you can like take out a whole room of enemies with one saw blade, but you have to watch because you can also be damaged by the saw blade. So it just starts going crazy in the environment, but ultimately like it could take you out too. I thought that was a pretty mm. cool idea for a weapon. That's gonna be fun in co-op. Yep, they have a tweaked Lancer. They said they still have the chainsaw bayonet, which they'll always have to have in a Gears game. Well, you got to cut trees down. Right. So. Yeah, I guess it fits in with the whole construction yeah. theme. Be kind of cool if like you find one early on and like the, the chainsaw still works, but the gun part doesn't. And you have to like fix yeah. it. Yeah. Somehow, because like, oh well, somebody like maintained the chainsaw part, but they didn't like keep oiling the gun part, <laughs> so you have to like. But I don't. I mean, they're saying no co-op. No co-op. Nope. That's unfortunate. That's really odd because they've had it since Gears 2. Yeah, it kind of has defined the series yeah. to some degree. Um, they said there will be horde mode. Yeah. Well, they said they, said they know that what modes are important to people. Yeah. So that probably means horde mode with coming back. They, well, I think they when they did the interview, he they, and then he goes, people like horde mode. And then he goes, yeah, we know what modes yeah. are important to people. So yeah. basically Which, he said yes. We're yes, without mode. saying yes. Right. Uh, a lot of emphasis has been placed on making putting making more effort to make a balanced multiplayer experience, and uh, esports has been mentioned a lot. Uh, Rod Ferguson talked about how at Epic they didn't really care about the pro gamers so much; they just sort of let them decide. Well, we're going to focus on the the mass audience consumer and sort of you know let the pro gamers do whatever they want to do with it. Whereas now they're uh, for this one they're f- going to focus on trying to make it a, a balanced and competitive pro gamer experience. Well, Xbox which is, is also a bit, a pretty working big shift. with the ESL to organically integrate like tournaments and ladders mm-hmm. into Xbox Live. So yeah, I think that push for esports is going to be something from every mm-hmm. first party Microsoft game going forward. Yeah, if they there continue to be first party Microsoft games going forward. Here's a question for you from the Microsoft for that this game and other Microsoft exclusives this year. You think we're going to stick with that card system? What do you mean card system? You know how like Forza had all the cards uh, you could collect. And, oh yeah, and uh, for sure. Halo Five had the cards you yeah. could collect. And, yeah, like, it's money, dude. Yeah, they made. I think I saw the last time I saw they raised. Tomb Raider like, has the cards. But I think they made like two million dollars off the cards in Halo Five that they didn't then put into the pot for the east the esports tournament. You make that kind of money off of cards, you're going to yeah. put the cards in the game. So this is so Gears Four really seems like it's kind of for all the marbles at this point for Xbox One. I mean, you've also got Forza, um, maybe Crackdown. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have no release date or even. Well, they said Crackdown this summer multiplayer. Yeah. Why they released multiplayer before anything else, I have no idea. But, but like, so you know, a lot of eggs in the in the Gears basket here. Yeah. 
coming out Q4. Mm-hmm. They did, they just said Q4. They didn't say whether it's closer yeah, to holiday or closer to like October. But my guess would be it'd be uh, my guess would be early November, uh, somewhere not the week Call of Duty comes out. Hype level for this game is really low for Gears Seems of War. Like it. They need to show something at E3 that's really going to energize the crowd. I'm surprised after the response of what they they originally showed that they have waited and not shown something else. Well, what good because would have been even look really? even with this huge exclusive that they worked on with Game Informer, they did not give Game Informer a lick of new footage. None. Yeah. No new gameplay. Well, I feel at like all. They, I feel like they've got an uphill battle because like you know there were th- there were three Gears of War games that was were you know solid and you know people enjoy them. But I always forget that fourth one exists. Yeah. Was it? Judgment. Judgment. See, I almost called it Ascension, because sometimes I confuse it with a God of War God game. God of I War, exists. Gears of War. Yeah. Um, but God of War and Gears of War both had that fourth that installment. Fourth that no one, yeah. That fourth installment that was a prequel that no one really asked for. Yeah. Um, and seemed more like filler. That might have else. killed Gears. It may, maybe. You know, and also, like... As much as people make fun of the big dude bro, like, steroid muscle head weirdo thing, like, that was kind of iconic. I liked it. To that. I mean, <laughs> it looks endearing, I thought, in a weird kind of way. You're going to have to work real hard to sell this as Gears, I think. Well, the characters just don't have as much charisma now. They just yeah. seem like these just generic people. Like, the girl is, like, new to the whole... She's not even a cog, like... She just kind of stumbles into the whole like thing and is like comes from some other place, and so she's like the noob who everybody else has to teach how to be a cog. I don't know. I mean, look again. We haven't seen much of the game. We've only really seen this demo. Limited conversation between the characters. Um, so you know, obviously, character development really minimal at this point. Mm-hmm. But uh, going back to what I was saying, like. After the negative reactions to this demo, like I just can't understand why they have not released another piece of video from this game, especially when they had the opportunity to do that with Game Informer. I mean, Game Informer gave them a cover mm-hmm. that's going to go out to like millions of people, and they wouldn't give them new footage. Like, first of all, Game Informer needs to negotiate that. It needs to realize it has the cards and get that footage. But you know, Microsoft could have offered it and been like, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity for us to get this game out here yeah. again. Now that people have kind of soured on it because of the demo. I mean, that demo was really poorly chosen. Yeah, well, they're, I'm sure they're holding their cards for E3. And, you know, maybe part of it was just like, you know, maybe they didn't think it was going to make a splash compared to, you know, they knew this was going to come out around like right around the same time as PlayStation VR probably was going to make some announcements. So maybe yeah. they just didn't want to compete with it. Because that's where it's gonna, you're really going to run into a, a strange situation. Because the other thing about this game is it's coming out in the same year as an Uncharted. Yeah. Which provides a very similar experience, especially with the heavier emphasis on multiplayer in Uncharted. But they're both platform exclusives, so... For sure, but like if, you're, if, you're trying to, if you're a new consumer and you're trying to pick between the platforms this fall, uh, you're, gonna look, you're looking at this versus Uncharted, what are you going to pick? You know, yeah. They're both about equal visually, I think. You know, you're not really going to look at one and say, oh, that looks way better than the other. Yeah. Uh, for the most part. So, which one's going to appeal the most? Which one are you going to watch a video of and be like, oh, wow, that one looks, real, looks really cool? Because so far, everything, every video Uncharted's released looks looks really cool and makes you go, oh, wow. Yeah. And this one, not so much. So they, I mean, they're they need actually kind of similar games. I mean, one's yeah, a horror cover, game, you know, the cover based shooter thing. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, I know they're emphasizing the horror kind of, you know, a slower paced Gears style here, but like, really. 
when you know when 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 the action throws down, you're still ducking behind a, a waist high wall and popping out to shoot something. Well, I read the chat log from last week's show on Twitch, and I had mentioned that what, you know playing the division it reminded me a lot of Uncharted. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple people that were like, "What? Are you insane?" And like the more that I played the division, the more I agree that it reminds me of Uncharted. Yeah. It's like. See all these guys running in, they take their positions behind cover, and it just turns into this exercise. Pop up, shoot, pop up, shoot. This guy's running around, go to the next cover, pop up, shoot. It's like, definitely a very similar skill set. Yeah. Nice it feels I, very much the same, the combat. Yeah. Like, but, and yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm level 30 now, and, you know, pretty close to 100% done on that game. We've done a lot of, done a lot of Dark Zone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I am continually reminded of Uncharted. Yeah. And not in a bad way. I don't mean that as an insult to the Division at all. I love Uncharted. But, yeah. like... Yeah, it's definitely the same skill set, especially using the PS4 controller. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, it's it a good warm-up for Uncharted. It is, yeah. I'll be ready. Yeah, so, you know, look, the object of any publisher in doing a cover story with a magazine like Game Informer mm-hmm. is to increase hype and anticipation for the game. But was, I just... I've, was that mission accomplished for you, Matt? Not at all. Like, I, I, every, I mean, everything I read about this game felt expected. Yeah. There's nothing in it that made me go, oh, that's a cool idea. And like their whole thing is, you know, like the big thing is like, I guess there's like the big wind storms on the planet now. Um, and so like there's going to be like wind bursts where like that. I'm, Do I'm I just want like, that? Really? I really like, don't want that. Because you know what I just played that had that in it? Twilight Princess. Yeah. In the first dungeon. Yeah. Which that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Like is that's like, and that was kind of the thing that I thought was like, who pitched that in like a meeting and everyone thought that was like a really cool Well, I think thing the coalition at this point is just trying to not screw it up because it's like their first Gears game and like mm-hmm. you go too far out of bounds and you're, it's your new developer, it's your first time making a game. If you stray too far away from the formula, then people are going to sort of rake you over the coals for it. Look, I kind of get why they're playing it safe, but I agree with you that they need to not play it safe with this game because yeah. that was what happened to Gears of War is that it was played safe for like four entries. It never really evolved much beyond the first game. Mm-hmm. And it never really had... I don't know. I feel like I still feel like the first Gears of War had a point of view. Yeah. And the others really didn't. Yeah. The others were just sort of continuing the motion. Yeah. And like, hopefully Gears 4 has some new angle, some new point of view on this world, these characters, this type of gameplay, anything. And I don't see that yet. Yeah, I don't either. And I, even the new weapons seem to be sort of new ways to incorporate the old gameplay elements with like, oh, it's like, it's like construction yellow now. You yeah. Know? Like, the thing, like the one weapon that like, it's like the, kind of like the drill bore gun yeah. where you shoot the thing and like when you let go of the trigger, the thing drops and digs into whatever it's down on and it blows up. Yeah. Like that's a really cool idea. But it's like you've already kind of used stuff like that in Gears 3. Yeah. So, and so like to me when you're saying like, oh, it's 25 years later and everyone, everything's a construction weapon now. Like, well, you, except some of the construction weapons seem to just be like reskins of military ones, weapons that yeah. we use in the old ones. So it's like if you really wanted to commit to that concept, you've got to create some new things. And it's yeah, hard the to saw blade, the hammer of dawn. True. <laughs> I mean, the saw blade thing is really cool. Yeah. Um, but that's one thing so it far, is, and yeah. it's also something that I did in Mega Man Two. Yeah, you're so right. you're like, right. Um, that's the th- you know I know there's no nothing new under the sun, but so far Gears of War has four is not kind of showing me anything that makes me think like oh this is something I have to experience. All right, it's time to move on to the next topic. 
So what inspired this topic was me discovering that new gun in mm. Gears of War 4 that shoots the saw blades. I was like, that's a really cool weapon. And I was like, maybe we should do a topic about our favorite weapons in games. Mm. So we've both chosen two of our favorite weapons from any video game ever. Matt, you're up first. What's your first pick? My first pick is uh, the first time I've ever picked anything and you've questioned me on it. Yep. Uh, my pick is the Master Sword from the Zelda series. I was shocked to see this. I, my, I think my exact text to you was, it's, it's just a sword. Just a sword. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, but it's not just a sword. It's the Master, it's the master sword. sword. So, the, But the reason I picked this is not necessarily because the Master Sword is like awesome to use, but because getting the Master Sword is like the greatest moment in every Zelda game. It's yeah. like... Like it's that is iconic moment. It's the iconic moment. It's like the shit's about to go down thing. You know, everything gets real after you get the master sword. You can kill everything in like half the number of hits all of a sudden. It's also something that games. you anticipate the whole time yeah. you're playing. Like how are you gonna get the master you sword? You start looking for hints. Like yeah. and they'll start, you know, in most games there will be there is this legendary sword. You're like, Oh that's a master sword. <laughs> and, and there's just like and there's just this satisfying element of like when you find you know, you've been using like the wooden sword or the you know, the the, the, the crappy steel the crappy sword sword that you pick up at the beginning of the game and then you finally get the master sword the master sword's usually a little bit wider usually a little longer sometimes it glows and it looks so good with the hylian shield yeah. and all of a sudden like link links in the green and finally he just looks like link finally. yeah so i picked that because like there's just something like ultra satisfying it's not so much about the actual weapon yeah, it's not so much about you because it's, you it's play it plays just like process, every other sword but like, yeah it's just it's an iconic weapon that like i look forward to in every zelda game even the ones i don't like yeah. So when I initially questioned that pick, I was like, "Wait, are you, I think you're you're missing the topic. Mm. Like, what the whole target of the topic was. Once you explained it, I totally got it. Yeah. So I can I can understand. So I am also a fan of the Master Sword. I don't know how you can enjoy video games and not love the Master Sword, mm. unless you've never played a Zelda game. And you don't get yeah, it. Yeah. Maybe if you don't have that attachment to that series. The other thing too is what you did say. Like as soon as you get it, you start. That's when you start to turn into a badass. Because mm-hmm. in most Zelda games, you're like all meek and meager. Right. And you have these. And then you're like, crappy, I'm the hero of time, bitch. Yeah, you have this <laughs> crappy like wooden shield that like. Mm-hmm. And when you like block, you get knocked back. back. And then and if the shield burns up. You gotta go buy another one. Right. Right. Know? And that once you get the master sword, like that's when the tables start to turn. Mm-hmm. And typically, as long as they balance the game right, that's when you start taking it to the enemies instead of them kind of taking yeah. it to you. So It's when you start to feel like, oh, maybe I can take this Ganondorf dude. Yeah. All right, my first pick is the Cerebral Boar from Turok. Nice. And I have loved this weapon There's ever... a game Gears of War should steal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A weapon Gears of War Yeah, yeah. I have loved this weapon ever since I played Turok 2 Seeds of Evil on the N64... A game, by the way, that had a bug that would keep you from completing it. <laughs> and so, therefore, you had to return your cartridge to a store to get a replacement if you wanted to finish the game. Mm. Also, I might add, one of the most difficult games I believe oh, I yeah. have ever played, ever like, played. The save points were, like, hours apart. Hours apart, yes. This giant level. And, like... One guy could kill you. Yep, like, one guy. Boom. Yep, it was one of the hardest games I ever played. And this, because it was so hard, like literally in this game, you are saving every arrow you've got. Oh, yeah. And when you use the arrow, you make sure you deliver a headshot with that arrow. Kill him in one. And there's like, if there's guys like across like a chasm from you, like I ain't shooting them because I'm not getting my arrow back. Never get my arrow back. Nope. <laughs> and then they kill you. And you're yep. like, I'm still ain't shooting him. So 
when you get this weapon, it is so satisfying and gratifying. Granted, they don't give you a ton of ammo to use with it, but you know, one, it's a homing shot, two, it's a one-hit kill, and oh, what a gratifying kill it is. Mm -hmm. That crazy contraption seeks them out, attaches to their head, drills into the inside of their head, into their brain, and then explodes in their Spitting head. Spitting like gray cerebral <laughs> fluid the whole time. It's great. I, it's crazy to think about this weapon. Like, in my opinion, probably still hasn't been topped in a first-person shooter. We have a mutual friend who came up with the idea for a weapon that I think could top it, which is a rocket launcher that shoots chainsaws. Yes. <laughs> that explode. That explode. That I could maybe see beating the cerebral bore, but I've played pretty much every first-person shooter ever and i've never found a weapon as satisfying and gratifying to use as this one again a big part of it too was just how difficult the game was until you got it and then once you get it at least you have a brief reprieve where you know you can kill somebody <laughs> um we used to play um when they put uh, multiplayer in this series we used to play it uh the monkey tag variant. Yep. Oh, yeah. Where one person would become a monkey, yep. and everyone else had to find the monkey, over killed the monkey, got the point for the monkey, and the un... What would happen is, because it was same screen, so, so it would be four people, three people, we would just run through, like, going... All, all three of us would be like, monkey, 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 yeah, monkey. Yeah. We, we would all <laughs> chant, monkey, 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 monkey. And then, like, and then when, like, we'd see the monkey, 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 yeah. And then when, if you, like, you were the hero of the night, if you could get the cerebral bore yeah. on the monkey. Because, oh, like, yeah. then the monkey would stand there and, like, yeah, wiggle on the thing. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And everyone would <laughs> run up and run around the monkey and shoot, go, monkey, monkey, monkey. And, like, it was, I mean, it was, it, it was the yeah. ultimate, like, finish him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that weapon. It's a great weapon. Uh, I should come back. I'd love to see. Totally I'd love to see it in modern back. HD graphics. Yeah, like, oh my god! I'd love to see a CryEngine version of even the on these crappy N64 graphics. It's oh like, yeah, mind blowing. It was, like, I just was, said it's mind blowing. Nasty shit in that generation. In oh, yeah. that like first 3D generation, where like you, it was still kind of like almost like a Rorschach test once Cartoony, in a while. Like yeah. there was some nasty shit, especially in the yeah. N64 of I all know, things. Of all things, the kitty console, as yeah. people called it. Jeff so. Force Gemini is one of the most gory things yeah. I've ever played. Just, they just heads and limbs ripping gyms. apart everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right, Matt. What's your second pick? My second pick is the Hidden Blade from Assassin's Creed. That's a good um, choice. Which I think has given us some of the greatest uh, kill animations in uh, in game history. Really, oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's some amazing stuff in that, um, uh, and I love like the, the the lore of it. Like the original the original game, uh, you know, the whole thing was it popped out from your fist. It can't, you know, right. you, the assassins had to cut their left ring finger off. Right, to make it So work. there was a hole in their fist so it would pop out right. and they just punch the guy in the in the throat or whatever. Yeah. With it. Um, which I thought was kind of awesome because that whole idea of like to, you, you know, you had to mutilate yourself to commit yourself to this, you know, this order or whatever. Was, I thought that was a cool idea. Um, but still, you know, even after you didn't have to do that anymore, Ezio, Ezio wasn't into the mutilating because otherwise he wouldn't get the ladies. Right. Um, <laughs> it was. It's still like this cool sort of almost steampunky kind of idea. Where oh, like, completely. It just it's sort like of, a mechanism yeah, that you <laughs> just sort of pops out and you know. Yeah, and I, and I love that. Like you know, people try to like make replicas of it and various things. Like it's like well, it's Ubisoft like, made official. Well, they ones. made plastic ones, yeah. but no, you make a, make a real one, you get arrested. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's so dangerous that there's cosplayers that make their own, but you have to like make, like research which states you'll be arrested if you try to <laughs> take it into it. You know, like like you can't you can't order one and have it sent to California. It's illegal. Really? It's illegal to have something like that sent to California. Wow. Um, 
as he said, totally not having researched that at all <laughs> for his own purposes. Um, but uh, I just think it's really cool. I love that, uh, you know... It, it, it's unique. It's There's unique. no other game with it. And you can, and in the early game, I don't think you can do this anymore because it's more of an automatic kill now because it's all context-sensitive. But in the early game, especially, the, I know the first game, you could fight with the hidden blade. Like, oh, you, yeah. You could just, like, you could counter with it. You could stab oh, yeah. people. With, and, like, that was, like, you know, that actually took some hard timing. And well, it's some really I cool moves. Se- the several games let you do counter kills with it. Yeah. Um, originally not... Apparently that was like something that was added in because uh, one of the animators just totally believed that you should be able to do that. So they, <laughs> so he did a bunch of animations for it. Like, so it's it's um, I thought it was you know it's, it's, it's iconic. It's, it's iconic. Also. It's the emblem of the series in a lot I of would, ways. I would argue that that is like the most iconic weapon of the entire last generation of video games. Yeah. I can't think... When I think of last generation weapons, that is the weapon I think of. Either, either that or the portal gun, if you, want to call that, if you want to call that a weapon. Or even call it that era. Well, 2007. Yeah. yeah Same year so. Assassin's Creed came out. Yeah. So. But the portal gun isn't even really a weapon, though. Yeah, exactly. It's not a, it's not a weapon. <laughs> yeah, it's um, more like a traversal tool. So it's, it's, it's a tool. Yeah, it's a tool. So is that when you think? I mean, it's just it's just their job. Yep. <laughs> just another day at the office. But um, no, I think I think that is that is uh, certainly my pick these days for one of my favorite weapons. It's, uh, it's not as flashy as some of as maybe like the gravity gun from from Half Life Two or whatever. But like, uh, I see someone in famous. chat here saying Bolivar is saying the iconic weapon of the last gen is the M4A1 from Call of Duty. That's a cynical pick, but a valid. The Garand. One. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I mean, it's I, just a rifle. It is, but it's like I think you know, or if there was a gun like you, you that was that dominated uh, people's choice of gun in like the Call of Duty games, that would be a valid pick. You know, yeah, because, just because just because like that the games are so prevalent. I get where he's coming from on that. I I, I like that. As, I like that as a cynical choice. Yeah, I mean, I would say like the AK forty seven. If you're going to go that route, though, I mean, yeah. more people use AK forty sevens. I mean, the Garam was just in one Call of Duty game out of many. Well, two. The AK was in all of them, pretty much. Well, actually not, except for those two. Right. No, no AKs in the World War II <laughs> exactly, ones. Exactly, so yeah. So, good pick. My last pick is an, another N64 game. The Farsight from Perfect Dark. Mm. I like that I picked melee weapons and you picked guns. Yep, yeah. Well, I, I think that actually fits <laughs> yeah. our personalities yeah. and our taste in games a little bit. Um I'll kill you close. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what that means. <laughs> the reason I like the Farsight is, well, one, again, when it came out, it was something completely unique. Like, now, maybe it doesn't seem like a big deal to be able to look through walls and see X-ray through walls. But I'm telling you, like, when this came out... Oh my God, how did we play this? Oh, I know. It's insane, <laughs> dude. How did we play this? It's so blurry and the frame rates are so bad. But, uh... I could one. I could just dominate with this gun. Like it lets you see through walls, so you can see where people are going and shoot through walls. And it's, it's, it's a, a one-shot kill. And it's a one-shot right? kill. Yeah. So like you could just dominate with it. But it, you know, also it's hard to use. So I love that. Perfect Dark had the best reload. Yeah. Reload How it just like puts that magazine that goes all the way yeah. through the gun. <laughs> where the hell does, How does it go? That work? Who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, in multiplayer, like if you were good with the far sight, you could just dominate people. Like, mm-hmm. it, but the thing was, is like people would see you use it and they'd be like, "Oh, you're like cheating. You're using that gun." I'd be like, "Well, select it." 
Yeah, you try it. Yeah, and as soon as they they just because I can't use the far sight at all. Exactly. I'm terrible with like, it. Like that's what I liked about it. It's like if you actually practice with that gun, you could just become a devast. Like literally, you would make people quit playing. <laughs> like you're cheating. I'm like I'm not cheating. Here, you can choose the gun. Use the gun. See if you kill me. And I'll be I'll be like I'll use a pistol. You use the far sight, and I kill him. Like. Because it wasn't, you know, games or weapons that are like that, that are like one-shot kill or whatever, or that have crazy functionality like that, like, sure, they can be unbalanced if they if you make yeah. them easy to use. But this but it, gun was yeah. really, because the other thing, too, is like, when you were scoped in an x-ray, you were completely vulnerable. Yeah. Like, you were a sitting duck. So if anybody came across you while you are using the x-ray, they just would walk right up to you and shoot you. So, well, that's the thing with the Farsight was, uh, like, it demanded a level of situational awareness that I simply didn't have yeah. in that game. yeah. And look again, like the, the technical performance of the game, I, right. I feel like made it even more difficult to use <laughs> it. Because when the frame rates are bad and it's like chugging along, and you got like, a and bunch what are you of, even looking at there? Like, it, it, that's so hard to understand what you're seeing. Exactly. But see, after you use it for a long time, you start you get to get it. used yeah. to it, and you get it. And so, you know, people think you're cheating. It's like, no, I've practiced with with this thing for like a month to get this good with it, and so. It's just an iconic weapon. It's one of the first weapons to ever have that kind of functionality in a first-person shooter. Um, it was a total game-changer as far as, like, you know, skills in the game. Like, you could always tell if somebody was really good at Perfect Dark if they used the Farsight. And if they didn't, that means that they thought they were good, but they really weren't. So it was a difference-maker uh, in the multiplayer scene as far as playing the game against others. Um, it definitely made you feel good when you were good at it because people who really played the game, if they ran into you and they're like, you're good at a Farsight, like, you're good at this game, like, it was kind of like a badge of honor. So, that is my second pick for favorite weapon. And again, keep your picks coming. I want to see them. You guys are already sharing some in our Twitch chat. I want to see them on the comments on the archive on Sifted as well. So, you could go on forever about iconic weapons. I mean... I mean, another favorite one of mine is a spin fuser from Tribes, because mm-hmm. it's just like you have to be so good to use it, and it's like the default weapon that you use in Star Siege Tribes. It's just all it is is a disc that mm-hmm. you fire, and when it lands, it explodes a radius about as big as this table. But like, what you learn to do is like you learn to time it so when people are flying and they land, your disc has to land exactly when they hit the ground. Hmm. Like, it's just a, it, the scale required to use that weapon is so intense that it's gratifying every time you get a kill with it. And, like, if you can hit people in midair with the spin fuser, you're a god. Like, <laughs> think about it. Like, you're flying with a jetpack. They're flying with a jetpack. You're flying, like, two different directions, height. Like, you've got the whole XYZ axis going on. If you can, if you're good enough to, like, shoot a disc. And hit that guy in midair. There, nothing felt better than that, man. Like you literally felt like a first-person shooter god when you did that. Like, <laughs> that's a big part of weapons for me is the gratification that you get from using them. Thus, my pick is for the far sight. There are other weapons that are more extravagant or more explosive, but a big part of it for me is like that feeling that you get when you're successful with mm-hmm. it. So I kind of wanted to pick a lightsaber, but uh, yeah. I figured it was sort of cheating. Yeah. <laughs> and B, I was like, well, he's going to make me pick a game in which I think it was done the best, and I don't think a lightsaber has ever been done properly. No, I would agree with that. I know everyone's going to say Jedi Outcast, but I hate that game, and yeah. I, I think it's, it's too spastic. Yeah, I don't think it was done well there either, um, It's kind of like the best we had at the time, but I've, I, no one has done a lightsaber properly yet. I'd agree. All right, let's move on to the last topic of this week's Game Face. We're going to talk about 
Pokin, Pokin. I'm not sure exactly how I'm supposed to say it. Uh, Bill Trinan said uh, Pokin. 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 Pokin tournament. Pokemon fighting game. I've been playing this. So I've been juggling this game with the division over the last three or four days. Um, I got this pretty early, and I was too excited to not play it, even though I was in the middle of trying to do my game eval for the division. So I have put a couple days into this game. Matt, it is the weirdest fighting game <laughs> I have ever played on so many levels. Like, I, I can't even explain it. Like, first of all, this game, like, it has, like, two modes of play. So there's, like, this mode that plays like a Pokemon RPG, where you have this camera that's, like, over the character's shoulder. And you kind of, I think you, you pretty much start every match that way. And then once a certain play, and I still honestly cannot figure out what triggers the shift in perspective. I still haven't figured it out. I've played this game for several days. I still don't know what does it. But eventually, either you initiate an attack, or at a certain level, or you whittle them down. Like, eventually it switches to the traditional, like, side fighting game. Mm -hmm. It's actually kind of cool, because I, I can see why they did this. Because a lot of people are going to play this who've never played fighting games. They're, and they love Pokemon. I love Pokemon, but I also love fighting games. But this is going to introduce a lot of people to a genre that they know nothing about, simply because they want to battle Pokemon. So... Basically, that view that you start out with kind of, like, ingratiates you to the game. Because you, it's literally, like, the view that you would play, like, a Pokemon RPG from. That over-the-shoulder, you see your trainer, like, really close up. And then at the distance, you see the, the rival Pokemon. So, I understand why they did it. I don't strategically, I don't necessarily think it was a good idea. At least for fighting game purists, I don't think it was a good idea. It's really weird to have a game where you kind of jump back and forth from perspectives, particularly a fighting game, um, particularly a fighting game that they're trying to get, like, an esports community to rally around. Like, mm. I've seen, like, some of the big Evo guys playing this game. Um, so they're, they're definitely doing their outreach and trying to get those guys on board to play, to play the game and get people into it. But they're, running, they're going to run into a problem where you basically need your own console for each player. Yeah. And you're going to have to network it somehow. Like, because yeah. it seems like it's very much designed around the arcade scene in Japan, which is everybody plays on their own machine, and they're kind of networked usually back-to-back -back or side-to-side. -side. Um, and because of that perspective switch, you basically need the Wii U controller as kind of your you perspective. So yeah. it's like, so that's why when two people play, one person plays off the TV screen and one person plays off the Wii U controller. Um, but then like when you come to like a tournament situation... Well, how do you decide which player has to play on the tiny Wii U screen? Like, right. that's not fair. Yeah. So, I, it's interesting that they decided to go with that if that was one of their goals. Because it's a cool trick, like, in terms of kind of keeping continuity with the rest of the IP. But it seems like it might undermine what they're trying to do with it in terms of the genre. It's a weird fighting game. Like, there's really no other way to put it. Like, the actual fighting commands for the moves are, like, very simple. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to do, like, crazy button yeah. combinations. Well, it's like tech. It's Tekken. It is Tekken, way. essentially. I mean, there's lots of juggles in the game, like Tekken. Mm -hmm. um, there's, like, two meters. There's your burst meter, which is basically, like, your special. Um, once you fill that up, you can use it, and all you have to do is squeeze both triggers at the same time to pull that off. Although I found that I missed on mine more often than, like, I landed it. And once you do that, you're basically screwed because not only does it drain your burst meter all the way down, you're, you're vulnerable for, like, a good two, two or three seconds. Um, 
And then the other meter allows you to bring in support characters, which is what, one thing I really, really like about this game. So, for, for starters, most of the characters in the game are not all that different. Like, there's, there's a couple that are, like, a little bit faster than the others, but they all kind of have, like, the same, like, each one has, like, a projectile or some form of a projectile. Um, there's, there's, like, no, like, brawlers in the game. There's no, like, grapplers in the game. There's no, like, heavies in the game. Like, they all roughly kind of play the same. But for the few characters who do kind of have unique attributes, like, you can use your support characters to kind of nullify those. Like, there's one character that moves way faster than, like, any other character in the game. Well, you can bring in a support character, a support Pokemon, who will come in and basically freeze that character and slow that character down. So there's, like, a lot of strategy involved with using the support characters. Um, and the other thing I like about the support characters is it actually gives you access to more Pokemon because there's only, by my count, like 16 Pokemon in mm-hmm. this game. Um, I mean, look, Street Fighter V launched with, I think, 16 fighters, so it's not that out of the ordinary, but... You're the drawing dip- from a pool of, like, 700 Yeah, characters. when you're drawing from so many more characters, it's like, it just seems like it's a big missed opportunity. Well, like, I think they had to, it was like, do you put a whole bunch of fighters in here, or do you, or do you make sure it's a balanced game? yeah. But I also feel like if they had chosen their characters a little more wisely, that they probably would have had a greater variety. And that's what I, th- I would say, is that, like, it's, it feels like the game was developed to be safe. And I kind of get it, because, look, there's going to be a lot of kids playing this game. Um, and so I, I think you're right. Like, I think that they were like, well, we need to balance this game. And if we start pulling in all these kind of crazy pocket monsters into the game... Balancing it starts to get a little more complicated, a little more dicey. And I think that's why they kind of stuck with this core of characters who all kind of handle and control the same. One thing I would say is there is a ton of depth in this game once you start playing it. And the game does an amazing job of teaching you how to play it. Like, literally, it tells you everything. There's, like, these uh, tips that pop up, like, with voiceover that on the fly, as the fight is happening, like, tell you what to do. And, you know, a lot of times when you get tips like that, it's, like, text. You're like, well, I can't read the text. I'm fighting. Mm-hmm. but the, So they've recorded voiceover for every one of these so that it'll tell you why you're fighting. Like, use your burst right now, idiot. And, like, <laughs> it, it, and you can turn it off, too. So, like, the first, like, two hours I played the game, like, I had the tips on. And, like, it really helped me learn. the And it, it, it dives deep. Mm-hmm. So for kids, like, if kids are just learning how to play, I mean, honestly, the single player in this, you can just button mash your way through, like, the whole thing. It's just like Street Fighter V. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the video we curated the other Six day. Baby. The baby yeah. beating the... Like, this game's like that, too. Like, you can button mash your way through the story mode. And the story mode's, like, a waste of time, pretty much. Like, you fight like, a handful of fighters, then you fight a boss that unlocks the boss. Um, as you fight, you, if there's, like, RPG elements in it where you can, like, level up your Pokemon, like, with new attributes and things like that. Of course, those only carry over to, you know, the single-player stuff. You can't, like, take mm-hmm. your leveled up, at least not that I've seen. You can't take, like, your leveled up Pokemon and then fight it online. Um, I was... Uh, I guess I've been pleasantly surprised by this game in a lot of ways, but also disappointed in it in a lot of ways. But one thing you can't deny is that it's not unique. Um, combos are easy to pull off. Most of them are just like hit the same button twice in a row, or maybe a couple of them, maybe actually you switch the buttons. Um, but once you get digging down into it, into the depth of it, like it actually is like a really deep fighter as far as the mechanics are concerned. So. Well, you don't go for Namco for a shallow one. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh... 
Yeah, like I'm, I haven't I haven't completely finished it yet. Like I'm not ready to write the eval yet, but I did want to talk about it because the embargo was up a couple days ago. The game comes out on Friday, uh, so I wanted to talk about it on the show while it was still kind of relevant and uh, fresh in my mind. Because I keep jumping back, but it's so weird. I keep jumping back and forth between this and like the division, which is <laughs> really a weird juxtaposition. But uh, I've enjoyed it. Like I read some of the reviews, and some of the reviews have been really harsh on this game, and uh, I don't know why. Like, honestly, like, I feel like they did about as good a job as they could make in a Pokemon fighting game because you have to create it for both kids who are going to want to battle it out with their favorite Pokemon if they're lucky enough to find it in the roster, but also people like us who just like to play fighting games and are looking for some depth. And it plays completely differently. It's not just like a Street Fighter clone or even really a Tekken clone. Like, other than like the some of the juggle heavy stuff, you'd never guess that this was like built by the Tekken guys. Like, mm. it's. And, look, the moves are flashy. Like, the graphics are great. Like, seeing some of these attacks, like, in full 3D at this fidelity is amazing. Like, you've always had to use your imagination with some of these for a long time. And being able to, like, see them in fully rendered HD. And the animation is great. The effects are awesome. Like, the camera does a good job of keeping up with the action despite some of the stuff going over the top. Like, there's this really cool, like, kind of like color-coded... Um, system built into the game to kind of keep you on your toes even when like insanity is going on on the screen like a lot of thought I guess is the best way to put it is a lot of thought has gone into poking pocket whatever tournament <laughs> um, I thought it might just be a stupid cash in I was wrong um, if you like Pokemon uh, you're going to love this game the story part of it's pretty pointless like there's you've been seeing in the footage um the story doesn't really do much. The one thing I will say, though, is it does do a good job of, like, kind of educating people on Pokemon lore. Um, <laughs> I, I know it's silly, but, but like, if you, have, if you haven't played, like, a lot of the, the handheld RPGs, like, it does a good job of catching you up to speed on, like, what a lot of the terminology means and, and what some of the relevance of the different Pokemon and things like that. Um, I wouldn't call it quite a Pokedex or anything, but... It does do a pretty good job for noobs to the uh, franchise of kind of getting them in there and understanding what the hell's going on. So, well, you got to wonder who's, who the people who've never played Pokemon are who are buying this. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a pretty good fighting game. Like, I've yeah. been pleasantly surprised by it. Um, the other thing, too, is that, like, you collect, like, gear that you dress up your, like, your Pokemon trainer in, like, in your avatar or whatever. Kids will love that, though. Um but yeah, overall, I've been pleasantly surprised, man. I've uh, I've had a good time with it so far. I'm going to put a couple more days into it, um, play some matches online. As you know, since the game isn't out, it's kind of hard to get mm-hmm. matches at certain times of day. Although I will say, it appears that Europe has broken street date on this game because there's like lots of people with German like names <laughs> that are playing it. Like there, there must be a store in Germany or a chain in Germany that just decided to start selling it or something. Um, but, yeah, so it's been hard to get games like the press. We've tried to organize sometimes to play each other, but it hasn't always worked out. Um, but, yeah, pleasantly surprised by a Pokemon or a Pokemon tournament. All right. Yeah. It's not in- entirely on my radar. Yeah. Um, just cause You're a big fighting game guy. I'm a big fighting game guy, and I, and I like Pokemon. I just, I'm not a huge Tekken fan. And yeah. It's, so, like I said, it doesn't really feel like Tekken. Yeah, it's just like this the same people, and I don't know if I... <laughs> you just don't want to support them. I don't know if I trust it. Yeah. You know? It's not a support. I mean, I like Soul Blade, but like, or Soul Calibur, but like, it's just like, it's, you know, I'm not a 3D fighter person so much unless it's Virtua Fighter. This is, well, this is definitely different, man. Like, because it has that two, those two different perspectives, it, uh, 
It feels unlike any fighting game I've ever played. The only other game I would say that maybe comes close is like Hybrid Heaven, as far as just mm. being this off the wall, like weird fighting game. It's just like one of those things. Is it's like sixty bucks, big Pokemon beating each other. I, I, you know, and the, no, I can it, see that. And it's not like there's going to be a point where like. Oh, it's going to go down in price because Nintendo games don't it never really will. It. Yeah. Although they they did a sale uh, in the last few days where like all of a sudden they cut the price of like Mario Super Mario 3D Land U and um, the 3D World and uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. It was some they were well they're going selects now. Yeah, cut down yeah. to twenty bucks from yeah. sixty on Mario. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, I bought the shit out of that. Yeah, and yeah. So like so yeah, I mean I guess Nintendo's starting to to you know whereas it's still like 60 bucks in the stores yeah so i guess nintendo is starting to kind of wake up to the idea of competitive pricing in that regard so i, I maybe, yeah i would buy it in a sale maybe actually. it bombs and they drop it right. i can't see this i bombing. don't think it's gonna bomb I, though i think this is i think this is something pokemon fans like can really dig into and it's cool too like whenever you go to do like your bursts like you you like go into like the you basically evolve. Your Pokemon mm-hmm. evolves into its next form for the burst attack. And uh, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm a big Pokemon fan. I definitely got some nice feels out of this game, I guess is mm-hmm. the best way to put it. Um, there's parts of it that are definitely made for kids, and you'll roll your eyes here and there at some things. <laughs> and um, But it's a very well-constructed game, a pretty robust game. Um, Gameplay is well-balanced. Um, yeah, I've... Been enjoying, been enjoying it a great deal. I don't know if I'd recommend it as a buy, though, because I finished the single-player stuff and unlocked all the characters in, like, a couple days. So if you don't have people to play against either locally or you don't like to play online or you can't play online, I would probably stay away from it, to be honest. Mm. Because, like a lot of fighting games, minus Mortal Kombat... The single-player content just isn't all that great, unless you want you really care about pimping out your avatar with like hats and clothes. Um, otherwise, there's not a lot of incentive to keep plugging along. After that's, you've, that's what I use the division for. Yeah, after you, exactly. <laughs> after you've unlocked all the fighters, it's yeah. like there's not a whole lot of incentive to keep playing it. So yeah, it's any fighting game. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. intrinsic to most fighting games. So again, like your mileage will vary if you plan on playing online. Uh, you'll probably get a lot more mileage out of it. But I would not recommend this for a purchase unless. You're a really hardcore Pokemon fan because if you are, like this game, like I said, will give you the feels here and there. Hmm. Like seeing some of these Pokemon do their thing and at that level of it, just, just you've never seen it before. It's yeah. never happened before. Like, How sad is that? It is sad. Like it's a total missed opportunity, but that's what you get in this game. Like it's the best looking Pokemon game ever. Yeah. That's something I can say without hyperbole. It's yeah. the best looking Pokemon game ever made, even though it's not a mainline Pokemon RPG. So, yeah, those are my impressions. Uh, look for the eval probably right around Friday, I'm guessing. I'm still working on The Division. That game is really big, The Division. Yeah, we were... Single wor- player is not so big. No, but there's a lot to do. Yeah. Um, we were worried about, you know, lack of content. That's not really a problem. Well, lack of... Lack of variety. Variety, sure. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of missions to do, whether you want to do them or not. It's the whole other and you, story. there's way more missions in the, the division than uh, you need to hit the level cap. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I hit the level cap and fully maxed out my base, and now I'm having a lot of trouble convincing myself to like finish the rest of the like non-story missions. Oh, got you, got you. I can see that because I've got like I've got two districts left to collect everything and finish all the side missions in, and I'm like, 
why? I mean, like you get like you get like templates for crafting, which is probably yeah. the whole point at this point. But like I'm having a lot of trouble motivating myself. But again, I've played the game for like 50 hours. I mean, yeah. it's, it's I I have not. It's not like I didn't enjoy it. I was I made the mistake of trying to play the game all by myself. Yeah, see, I are, played with a group, and it was there much are certain better. bosses where you just will have to fight them like 30 times to beat them by yourself. I have I have finished all the single player missions on my own. Really? And in co-op. And they are most definitely easier in co-op. Oh my god. Like um, I started I, I started playing with others, I just breezed through the whole game pretty mm, much. And, like fighting uh, by myself, there was the one flamethrower boss, Kozalski Koza- or something. I don't know. There was the Joe Kozarski um, or something. I fought him literally like thirty mm, times. And the when guy I finally comes out beat of the him, elevator? Um no, uh uh-uh. uh. No, it's way after that. Oh. He just comes out of a door, like there's this big open room, and then there's like two escalators you can go up, and then there's an upstairs. Mm-hmm. And like you run forward, and there's like three guys that are just normal guys with flamethrowers. And then after you kill two of them, I know this whole thing by heart because I did it over and over. After you kill two of them, then the big boss comes out, and you fight him. And like you shoot his tank, like he has two tanks. Mm-hmm. And I could shoot his two tanks before he ever get anywhere near me, and then it just turned into a total CF. Hmm. Like just because they just constantly are spawning guys. Like, I, ugh. I beat it by myself, and I was so glad when I finally did. And I, after that, I was like, I'm never playing another mission by myself. Hmm. And I started playing with other people. I literally just waltzed through all the single-player content. It was, like, easy. So, anyway, little tangent there. Well, like I said last week, we'll be talking about The Division for a long time to come. So, yeah. All right, it's time to go to our trailer of the week. As always, this is your opportunity to start asking questions. So uh, make sure you get those into the chat while we're watching the trailer. In honor of the release date and price for PlayStation VR being announced, uh, the trailer of the week is for PlayStation VR. So, Matt, this is a game called PlayStation VR Worlds. Um, interestingly, interestingly enough, it is like PlayStation VR's version of Wii Play. It compiles all the early demos for PlayStation, PlayStation VR into one game, including the London Heist, hmm. which I was shocked. I was like, wait a minute, like... I thought London Heist was going to be PlayStation VR's, like, marquee game at launch. And as it turns out, it must be small enough that they're just going to bundle it in with these other sort of mini-games. So, we're going to toss to the trailer right now. It's got five different games. A few of them you've already seen before, but there are a couple new ones, including one that looks absolutely terrifying. Here we go. Trust
lock in, get the diamond, and walk out again. Easy. So yeah, kind of surprising to me to see London Heist in that compilation. Yeah, you thought that was gonna be a full game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the one that they've been trotting out at like every event. It's like it's like the one that you want to see. Like mm. that luge game looks <laughs> insane, man. I mean, look, they're hamming it up, and he's like, you know, Whoa, yeah. But still, that where, was pretty scary. Where do I get a magic ball of energy that gives me a $400 VR device? In yeah, my yeah, room? exactly. That's... I wonder, too, like, in that luge demo, like, you notice how he went under the truck? Like, he went like this? Like, I wonder if you don't do that if you, like, die. Oh, like, if you have to, you have to keep your head back down? Yeah, so like, when you like go under cars, yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That, that could actually end up becoming, like, the best-selling, like, or they should probably. It's, it's, that's probably like that's going to be probably the Wii bowling of, of the PlayStation VR. The, 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 thing, the thing you say, you tell your friend like, "Hey, try this." Like, yep, that's what you're going to put in your PlayStation VR whenever friends come over to try it for the first time. You're going to put in mm-hmm. those that collection of games and just let them check them out. Um, you know, they'd probably be smart to pack that in. I would say. Yeah. I mean, definitely. That's why the Wii sold like hotcakes because they packed in Wii Sports. Yeah. It would de- and it also like and then after know, two years they could do like Wii Sports and just make yeah. it for twenty bucks for people who want to buy yeah. it if you don't want to keep packing it in. And if you're spending that much money, you want something you want to be able to know that you're going to have some stuff, some cool stuff to mess around with, even if you don't buy a game with it. Yep. So yeah, that would make a lot of sense. We'll see, but uh, I think it's probably going to be successful no matter what. Um, anytime you have new technology, being able to put out like a tech demo for that technology ends up becoming popular. So. Mm. All right, let's see here. Some questions. Did you have one, Matt? Did you find one? Um, is a, this is for Vidya Games asks, thoughts on Sony not publishing Rhyme anymore? Oh, yeah. That's disconcerting. Uh, to me, that's really disconcerting. Um, we were wondering. We've, yeah. That's become that game's like, been MIA for over a year. It's become like one of our little pet projects mm-hmm. on the show. Like we talk about it every, before <laughs> every trade show. We're like, are we going to see it again? Are we going to see it again? And then to find out today that Sony basically dropped it and the developer has picked it back up for self-published, that is not a good sign no. at all. At all. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed to hear that today. I was like, no. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, there's any way you can say that that's a good thing. Um, no. Uh, unless Sony was holding the project back and now it'll come out faster maybe? I don't know. Hey. I don't know. Like if they like Sony wanted a certain thing out of that game, and the developers weren't trying to go in that direction, and it was just like a creative differences thing, maybe. But yeah. But typically, 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 when the publisher walks away from you, it's not a good sign. Yeah, it's usually not a good thing. So, especially with Sony being, you know, kind of the major publisher that's willing to do anything. This, you know, like they'll they they'll take risks on these games, and uh, it makes me wonder why they didn't think it was worth taking this one. Yeah. I mean, it's an indie game, too. It's not yeah. like it's a huge risk. Like, no matter how you stack it up, it's not looking good for Rhyme. That's how I, what I would say. I also say it's probably not going to come out anytime soon, either. Oh, man, there's a ton. Um, let's see, from Neophant. How do you feel about Microsoft announcing cross-platform play? Uh, we kind of talked about that in the show open, actually. Um... Here's one from Ahab. Why do you think Nintendo hasn't made a proper HD Pokemon game? Is it because Nintendo is just weird? 
Or is it the same reason IT guys don't hurry to get stuff done? Because if they do it once, people expect them to do it again. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good, man. That's funny. <laughs> um, no, I don't think that's what it is at all. I mean, we actually, <laughs> we actually had this uh, conversation in comments for one of the episodes. Uh, I think it maybe even was last week. Uh, someone was saying that you know people just expect Pokemon to be on the handhelds. That's Nintendo's rationale. It's what it's went on the record saying is that mm-hmm. it's a handheld franchise, and that's where people want to play it. I think it's completely insane. No, I think it was handheld at the time it first came out because the on- like online wasn't ready for it. You yeah, know? you couldn't do that stuff online, and Nintendo had no interest in online, so that's what it became a handheld because you could just bring you could bring the game to talk to someone else's game directly yeah. on the playground or wherever. Uh, but I think the rise of the internet and Nintendo's final, finally embracing the internet as, uh, on their platforms makes Pokemon wherever you want to put it. I also think with the NX, if it truly is a handheld console hybrid, I think the chain may break. Yeah. Well, I think because you know a lot of people, Pokemon Go might make it a mobile series as well. Yeah, because look, Pokemon it does move hardware. Like a lot of people will buy the latest Nintendo handheld. For Pokemon. Well, mm-hmm. if the new handheld is a new console, suddenly, I think people would probably freak out, though, if Nintendo made, like, a really great Pokemon. I mean, I hate to say it, but some fans would freak out. Mm-hmm. They like that 2D art style and that, I don't know, I don't understand it. Like, I would love to play, like, a really awesome, big-budget, AAA Zelda level Pokemon game. I would play the living I mean, crap out of that game. It's people that hate the three D Fire emblems too. Yeah. For that same reason. And I think they do lose a little bit of personality, but there's a lot more personality in the two D animation on Fire Emblem than there is in Pokemon. I think Pokemon would only benefit from a big three D version. Okay, here's one from my XEQ. Mixic <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Mixic? Um, with the theme of favorite <laughs> things, what were your favorite controllers or favorite peripherals? Favorite controllers? Um, Saturn. Saturn? Saturn. Well, the Saturn controller, the Japanese Saturn controller is, to this day, the best fighting game controller, if you're not going to use a stick. Yeah. Best D-pad, best buttons. I love the, love the Japanese Saturn controller. I would say the later version of the Xbox 360 controller when they finally figured out the D-pad. When it had, the one that has the, the D-pad, you D-pad. spin the yeah. D-pad and it pops up. That's a good one. I love that controller. I think it works across all genres. Um, very versatile, very comfortable. Um, that's probably my favorite. Most ergonomic, I would say, is the GameCube controller. That's about the only thing I got right. But as far as just having a controller sit in your hands and have it feel like it's a part of your hand, the GameCube controller, it's just everything about it. Even the triggers, how it had, like, the slots for your fingers to, like, fit in. Like, Mm. just for comfort, I love that controller. But uh, as far as functionality, versatility, Xbox 360 for me. And I would also give an honorable mention to um, the Xbox One Elite controller. Which is insanely priced. I haven't even used one yet. Bucks. I used one at E3 last year, and it is it is it's nice. I mean, look. Don't I don't know honest. if it's one hundred. I don't know if it's worth one hundred and fifty bucks, but it was. It's beautiful, beautiful piece of work. I like the DualShock Four a lot as well. By the way, I think that is a great control. Like you've had problems the, with quality on brakes on you. But I haven't. When, I mean, when mine it works, it's great. great. Um, but I love it. Like I, I love. I, and I'm really disappointed with the Xbox One controller. Like the D pad mm. on my controller is a piece. It's a piece of junk. 
Like, I cannot fathom for the life of me. I don't what? know how they went from the, the spinny D-pad to what we got on the it's Xbox It's a piece of one. junk. It's not even a D-pad. It's just four buttons. Like, yeah. and Seriously, uh, man. It's so bad. All, DualShock 4, all, look, I hated the DualShocks Me until too. this one. Yep. All they needed to do... I didn't do, hate them, but I, I, I did. I, I preferred to play with anything else. But right. <laughs> but all they needed to do is what they did this gen is they, they made the sticks a little concave so my yeah. hand, thumbs don't slip off the stupid mushroom... Pat, like like tips anymore, and and they originally got it right because the, the it was they had concave analog sticks on the original Dual Analog before the Dual Shock uh, on the PlayStation One, and then when the Dual Shock came out, they switched it to the mushroom tips, and uh, I, I hated the mushroom tips. So. Yeah, someone Dual said the Dreamcast controller. I honestly think the Dreamcast controller was awful. I liked it at the time. I find it hard to use now because, because here's the thing: like you can't. Wrap your hands all the way around it. Your fingertips will always butt up against the underside of the controller. The, the prongs for the controllers aren't long enough to wrap your fingers around it. I don't really have a problem with that. Because that center my... part where the VMU goes, it's like mm-hmm. your fingers hit it. My problem with the Dreamcast controller is the, I always thought the cord coming out of the bottom of it was awkward. Yeah. It was always hard to well, find. Well, it had that like, thing where you could like clip it yeah, in. Yeah, but it's just not It's so bizarre. And uh, the, the analog stick is like, it's hard, it's mushroom shaped, and it's like it's very easy to slip off of it. It's not very yeah. precise in that regard. So. I have I thought the Saturn analog stick was Dreamcast better. Controllers. I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. Uh, here's one that someone reposted from Sega because they say it's a good question. So this one's from Sega... If NX releases this year, is it going to get completely buried under the hype for VR? Would launching next year be better, or would it just be giving VR more traction? Uh, I actually mentioned this earlier, that I think Nintendo should launch NX next year. I do think that PlayStation VR is going to take a huge chunk of money out of the market. Um, I think if it launches this year, Nintendo's best hopes are to sell to the same 10 to 12 million people who bought the Wii U. Mm -hmm. What's your take? Um, I think it's probably wiser if they uh, don't try to compete with the VR, PlayStation VR, because I think PSVR is going to have all the mind share and, more importantly, all the mainstream media coverage. Yeah. Um, Unless NX is something mind-blowing. Like, yeah, but it's like... Like, not a console handheld hybrid, like something that like projects holograms or something. Like Right, I'd, somehow I doubt it. Right. But yeah, it would have to be, you know, like VR, it would have to be something we've seen in movies and television our whole lives. And it's something not that blows you real. away, yeah. That, you know, it, ha- it would have to be, it would have to be the, the video game system equivalent of a Back to the Future hoverboard. I mean, look, Nintendo know? did do 3D with no glasses. True. But they I are mean, wizards I mean, like, on some look, levels. Look, I still think it's going to come out this year. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's the wise choice, but at the same time, it's like if it came out this year, it would launch with a new Zelda game. And if you can't get people's attention with a new Zelda game, you're in trouble to begin with. Yeah. Uh, One way or the other, the new Zelda is supposed to be out this fall, and is that going to get buried by VR? Maybe. If it only comes out on the Wii U, who's going to care? Other than people already have Wii U's. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Do we have anything else? We'll answer two more. Yeah, Wii U Pro, Pro Controller is a good controller. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Worst controller. <laughs> Worst controller? Something Mad Cats made yeah. <laughs> years and years ago <laughs> that I could break in half with like my bare hands. Um, Worst controller? The original NES controller kind of blows. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, mean, well, I mean, it's a rectangle. Like There's the no ergonomics It was like it, the right? first controller, though. Yeah. It's hard to hate on it. 
Or the the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, where like if you pulled on it too hard, the the stick like the the rubber around the, the stick would rip one, off because the sticks just broke constantly, yeah. and like the quality was really low. I mean, Jaguar had a terrible. Yeah, controller. I mean, there's been tons of a lot of bad controllers. controllers. Yeah, I mean, most of them in the past weren't good. Now they got to yeah. a place where everyone just kind of copies each or, other. Uh, or back in the day, trying to play trying to play uh, Super Street Fighter Two Turbo with the 3DO controller. <laughs> <laughs> that was not fun. All right, here's one from Avatar Continuum. Should game de- developers be obligated to release DLC for a game on a platform if the initial game was released on said platform? Mortal Kombat X was released on several platforms. However, the latest DLC is not available for the PC version. Mm. Um, if they promised the DLC on that platform, yeah. yes. But if they didn't... If they didn't... They're kind of off and the they hook. didn't, and they didn't, yeah. But also, it's kind of like assumed that you're going to support all the platforms yeah. you release something on. I mean, the old saying is "buyer beware." Um, yeah. Typically, do your research before you make a purchase. But yeah, I mean, it sucks. Look, if you're the if you're saying yeah. you bought the PC version, you're pissed off. You're not getting DLC. I hear you. Like mm. that sucks. And uh, you know, you, it's hard to expect the average consumer to like do. Hours of research before they purchased. Well, there's no a video way you could know that. There's right. no way, you know, they didn't even hadn't even announced the DLC that we're talking about here when you when the game came out. Yeah. So there's no way to know. Yeah. I mean, really, that you know, should they be forced or obligated? No, but like, if you don't want to piss your customers off, you probably should maintain parity. Yeah. You know, there was another thing that that happened with it. Something they're going to keep updating the console versions, but the PC probably version. Probably Batman. Uh, no, it wasn't Batman. It was something like yesterday or the day before I read, and it was like they're like. Uh, we're still open to PC, you know, but we're evaluating things. I can't remember what game it was, but it was like another game that like they're gonna basically stop updating it, and they're gonna keep updating the console versions. Mm, I didn't see that story. I can't remember which game it was. It was not a it was not a minor game though, if I remember right. A lot of people so, talking smack about the Duke, the original Xbox controller. That was, I remember when we first got the original Xbox, the review unit for like the on all the launch games. Uh, we opened it up and we played some stuff, and and I stayed really late. Uh, with Miguel Concepcion at Tech TV, and we played. I played Project Gotham Racing for like five hours. Yeah. And when I, uh, I mean, and that, that game obviously is, you're just holding the, the analog trigger, right? When I like finished, stopped playing, we went to go get dinner. I um, I let go of the controller, and like my f- my index finger felt like you know if, when you hit your finger with a hammer. Yeah. And like it feels like your fingers like expanding upward. Yeah. It felt like I'd been <laughs> I've been putting pressure on it this way so long yeah. that it, it was like when you like try to raise you, know, you, you like someone holds your arms down and then you stop and like your arms automatically go up. Yeah. It felt like that on the top. Like, it felt like my fingernail was trying to get off my finger because I'd been holding that giant the Duke was so bad st- giant stiff trigger down for. Well, so it also long. like the top of it was like convexed, so it yeah. had like a. Like, All kind of kind of a roll to it, and that huge logo on the top that took the top. up like half. And the, the... the black and white buttons were like up and out. Oh, I forgot here about for the no black good and white buttons. <laughs> and then they made the smaller one, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna put them in a different inconvenient place yeah, down yeah. here and That's in the right. front." And it's yeah, just like yeah. there's, they can never figure out. It's like, and everyone's like, "Why can't you just put six buttons on the face of the thing?" Like they never wanted to do it. I don't know what the deal was with that. <laughs> All right, I don't think I think we're done. I think we've got <laughs> all our questions in for the week. They're talking about Father Shane now at this point. So Father Shane, <laughs> that was a pretty good one. Yep. 
All right, folks, that's going to do it for this week's Game Face. As always, thanks to everybody who stayed up late in Europe, or even if, you've just, uh, if you're just watching on the East Coast, it is getting up near around midnight or so. We really appreciate it, especially on a work night. Um, let's see. Any announcements? Platinum Journey. A new episode should be coming soon. Going back and forth with Adam right now on that. He's getting very close, so that should be coming very soon. Um, any update on the quiz show? Um, I'm working on the show, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, at first I was like, let's just throw it together and, like, I'll come in on a Saturday and we'll make it work. Well, I started thinking about it. It's like, you just can't do that with a quiz show. Like, there needs to be, like, a structure and, like, a way to make it competitive and a way for somebody to be able to come back if they're getting their butt kicked. So I'm kind of working on the whole theory and the strategy for the quiz show, but I think I'm pretty close at this point. I already have plenty of quiz questions written, I can tell you that, so... So that is still in the works. Once I finally have sort of the logic of the game done and the logistics, and then we have the graphics finished, we will do an episode. So, yeah, I think maybe I jumped the gun on that one a little bit. I was like, oh, it's easy. We'll just all get together and we'll just ask each other questions. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. So it's coming. We're going to do it. I don't know. It may be one episode and and done, but if it doesn't work. But uh, we're going to definitely try it and do at least a pilot for it and see what you guys think of it. So I think that's it. Game Phase 41 is up and out.